I'll be I'll be honest. I'm sitting here just going, I, I need to start this podcast, but like this is just such a harsh topic. I don't really want to like barge in and be like, yeah, no, no, we should not. No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely like, not. No, I, I, no, no, I, no, no. I totally could just like ambush us here and just like throw us into the podcast like uh so this is the um uh, an episode of the halcyon frequency podcast for <laughs> january 23rd 2022 uh i'm your host uh blind this is like our our second episode of this if we want to number them i i don't know if we're gonna do the numbering thing some people do some people don't i think it's a little silly if we could just have like names that's better but uh uh once again i'm blind i'm i'm, I'm hosting uh, and i'm just gonna pass this off to fg squared how are you doing today Oh, I'm actually going. Yeah. Sorry. No, we're yeah, not we're going. No, absolutely, absolutely. not. We're, this is this is not <laughs> live. <laughs> uh, no, I hi. I am FG squared, also known as FG. It's much shorter, sweeter. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Getting tired because it's getting late here, but not too bad. And uh, how about you, Sui? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Sui. Um, I've been having fatigue problems because I had COVID or like uh, earlier this month. So that's fun. I've been kind of AWOL from my stream and everything, which has been super fun. Um, yeah, I'm also a full-time student. Cool stuff. Hey, Bell, how are you? I am tired. Uh, hey, I'm <laughs> called Bell, or Bellanar, I guess, for longer. And uh, yeah, it's the dark time of the year in Finland, so sun is somewhere in November and maybe comes up in February or something, so sleeping's been kind of weird because uh, everything just blurs into one big, long, dark day. Do you, do you call it a long mm. like a long dark day or is it more of a long night? Like is uh don't, don't, no it doesn't really have a name like the opposite side of the year has the like the uh, sun doesn't go down at all in the summertime so that's called uh, the nightless night or Uten in Finnish. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, because like, like I don't need to go that oh. much further north here to like actually get that. Like it's it's kind of funny whenever people look at like Canada on like a latitude and longitude scale, and they're just like, "Man, you're like really close to Northern Europe." It's like, yeah, we're not that far away. I only need to go like eight hours north for that. Like not even like six hours, and we'll like get like a sun that doesn't go down and barely comes up. Um, oh yeah, I mean like the actual like globes and like the actual map projections, they're super duper off. Like I mean Boston which is like north, pretty northern, you know, US, is south of Paris, if you look, if you were to locate it on a European map, so. Yeah, most of Europe yeah. is uh, basically um, up from uh, US, like none of it really hits the US at all. It's like mostly in Canada. Yeah, it's, it's yep, real funny exactly. when like you just, when, when you look at a, a map and it just looks like, huh, and then you put it on a ball and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> this doesn't quite check out, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Map, pro map, map uh, wait, what, what's the word? Um, 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 no, like, yeah, I guess it's just, it's just really funky because all the sizes are wrong and where they are located and it's wrong and it's like stuff is stretched and stretched and squished and Greenland looks bigger sort of than any other continent. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, not... same Finland looks like super long, even though it's not that long. Finland's tiny. Whoever came up with that idea, honestly. What, flattening Let's just the make planets? It flat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have to stretch it yes. in one way. There's all kinds of different yeah, maps uh, for different things, and they all stretch it differently. So there's some that are uh, will make the ocean bigger and will actually make the size of each landmass the right size. There's ones yep. that are the normal one we're see used to seeing. I think that's called Mercator. Let me Google I think so, it. yeah. 
I think so. I failed geography, yeah. so don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some, some of them are great, like the one that uh, flips the planet upside down, because we, we, we decided that this is up and this is down, but yeah. you could also just have it the other way, and the world looks so weird when you flip it upside down. Don't they do that it in does. Australia? Like, they have their, their their maps are just, like, flipped? I don't think so, but I'm not sure. I, I swear I've seen that before, and it's just like, that's, but like, I, maybe someone was pulling my leg, I don't know. Yeah, it is Mercator. That's the one that everyone is used to. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, but that's the one everyone's used to seeing, and it, like, makes uh, the southern pole very, very huge. Mm, it does, yeah. And there were a few other things, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. Like, I think um, Greenland is actually way smaller than it looks on that map. Yep. Yep. Should look at yeah, pictures of it from space. Yeah, all the yeah, and Canada looks smaller than it is, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's 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 what happens if you take a, uh, you know, a three D object and you try to like put the surface on a two D object. That, that get, it just stuff get just gets wonky. It's just mm -hmm. how it is. I mean, There's to talk also... about video games, I mean, it's it's the reason Dwarf Fortress's map is flat is because you you can't like make a tile based thing into a sphere. It's mathematically mm -hmm. impossible, which is kind of interesting how Dyson Sphere program does it, but because they cheat. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna cheat though. There is yeah, a, cheat. Yeah. the map that has like the weird. How do you explain it? It's like, oh my gosh, my brain isn't working. But it's the one that's basically circles. You know. I, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, now, I'm, now I'm struggling to curious. describe <laughs> it. It's like you have. Well, they're more of like orange slices. Orange slices. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, I've seen I think those. I know what yeah, you're talking about now. yeah like the orange slices. <laughs> it's kind of like a spiral almost. No, no, it's more of an orange slice. <laughs> All right, maybe I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't think um, I know either. Hold on, hmm. let me Google this. Oh wait, it's like a flat picture of the map, but instead of like uh, just being like a square where everything's all connected, it like shows the connective tissue where like it would fall down into a sphere, but they had to cut it. Yeah, kind of. Okay, I, yes. I know what, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I have no idea what it's called. Um Yeah, I okay. Thing. I have a spider bite <laughs> on my arm and it's driving me insane. Oh, there's a bunch of different Ouch. ones. Time to burn down your house, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's what Kiri would say. It is it is that time of the year uh, where all the spiders try and get inside, but and I like what, Where you burn down houses because of spiders? Really? <laughs> We're way past that. Like I haven't seen a single spider in so long. But like, I don't know. I'd say like November. It felt like every time we went to the front door, right? Because we're living in a uh, trailer temporarily. So we, uh, up here we have these. You, you you may have had them where you used to live, Sui. But up here we have um, these things called uh, um, uh, black cave spiders, and they're they're about the size of the palm of your hand. Um, uh, no, we had like the giant and... brown house spider. So um, and they just climb was... into your house and try and hide in corners. They're actually like great to have around, but like they are terrifying and huge. Um, and uh, they 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 survive through the winter um, or into the winter, large period of time into the winter by hiding in caves. Um, and they consider houses caves. <laughs> so like I have to boot them out of my house all the time at this time of year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've come across them many times, but yeah, we keep we kept having uh, 
Black Widows at the front door to the house. Oh, fun. Yeah, see, yeah, I, November. I, I have to go up to like Kamloops to see those because like they, they need a dry climate. It rains too much here for them. Yeah, it's super dry here. I mean, I'm in the desert, so. Yeah, Kamloops is the nearest desert to here. Oh, um, okay, okay. Every time I go to Kamloops, I end up like, uh, as my dad puts it, making out with a cactus. Uh, because every single time I've ever been to Kamloops, I've stepped on a cactus, fell on a tri cactus, tripped on a cactus, st stubbed oh. my toe on a cactus, or like sat down on a cactus. So <laughs> I that's hate cactus. That's a lot of cactus. Yeah, cactuses that's, that's are a lot of cactus. They're, they're not fun. Here we just have the cactus. That's why I love living up here in the frozen north, uh, so that uh, <laughs> yeah. the bugs die. You get the six months of snow, so you don't have any of these horrible spiders and other things. Uh, it's just... Yeah, it's so it's nice. wonderful. That's I've I've always I've told people it's like the reason I, I refuse to like live any further south is because bed bugs become a problem, <laughs> and it's like up here like they're kind of a problem, but not anywhere near as much of a problem as if you're even slightly south. Like if if you go like. Four to five hours south is like something you have cockroaches, you have bed like bed bugs become a major problem, and like all of these other, uh, like such things are just it's just terrible. Anyway, um, I guess I will need to insert an arachnophobia warning at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah, because, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's okay. Editor's note can do that. I mean, what you can do is just <laughs> timestamp at one point, yeah, timestamp and tell yeah. them, hey, at this point, we're done. It's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll just put a warning. Um, yeah. There's no visual issues. It's just like the discussion of terrifying things. I mean, it still makes me cringe. I don't know. I'm I am but the opposite of arachnophobic, so it like. I also like remembered a time when there was a giant spider above my bed, and I was sleeping in a bunk bed, so it was like. Three it's making feet you away cringe, and you're the face. one keeping it going. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to so change the subject stuck. on that. <laughs> oh god, that does sound actually. That sounds. And that's what that I was thinking about like... when he was talking about those spiders, though. Cause... Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's not. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, the, the 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 big the cave spiders here actually aren't that dangerous. They they're just kind of scary. They're scary looking. They're actually really delicate. Like you bump them and they fall apart. It's kind of sad. <sighs> but. Yeah, I think I think with a with a story what you said there with the with the bed, it's not necessarily that it's like the spider immediately like scaring you. It's more like like because it's a spider, but it's also just like startling, right? It just suddenly appears and it's like right there and it's just like ah. Yeah, and I like I was about to turn off my light to go to sleep. Yeah, so, exactly. It's like the surprise. I don't see very well, right? Um, and when I moved <laughs> into this apartment. Um, there's sprinklers on the ceiling in this apartment because, like, sprinklers in apartments are, are on the ceilings. And the sprinklers in this apartment look kind of funky. They're, like, kind of new. So, like, you know how, like, the indoor sprinklers normally look? They kind of are, like, a, a black object, sort of, or, like, a darker colored object, and they have, like, mm -hmm. kind of a sprinkler. These ones are a little bit longer. Um, and with my glasses off, if I'm, like, the right level of intoxicated, they look like spiders. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And I've definitely had, like, a few moments where, like, I've woken up in the middle of the night and been like, what is that? For like ten seconds, and then just like put my glasses on, like oh, okay, <laughs> it's just a sprinkler. <laughs> I've definitely had that moment. Oh, that's perfect. It's 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 kind of terrible, but it's also kind of incredible, honestly. <laughs> like, oh, it's kind of funny. But yeah, at at this point, it's just uh, something I've gotten used to more or less. Like it doesn't happen much these days, but you know, now it's just trying to keep spiders out of my house plants. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We have we have uh, 
not completely like airtight like window frames and we're in a bungalow so there is like you know the house is right on the dirt there's no basement so we get all sorts of critters just wandering in because it's just it's just right there it's just right there like i have i don't think i've ever seen so many wood lice inside and and snails we get snails wandering in as the, for whatever it's worth i read an article uh, a while ago and I kind of stand by this, and that's if there are bugs crawling into your apart into your house or apartment or space of living, it just means that the microbiome outside is healthy. Like <laughs> it literally just means that there is not a lot of pesticides outside and things are staying alive, which is good. We need that. I don't mind it either. I mean, I spiders are friends; they eat mosquitoes. What about a giant cat trying to sneak into your house every time you open the giant door? Giant cat. Last I checked, yeah. those are not even a natural species to where any of us live. Um, so, in <laughs> fact, that's an invasive species, and you should probably report it to local authorities. Oh, really? But, it, yeah. but it's so sweet. That, 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 that depends. Does it, uh, that, does, does it, like, make demands of you for, like, food and things? For pets. Well, that seems like it's holding you hostage. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like a bad situation. Yeah, you know... It's the sweetest cat, but, like, every time we open the door to the trailer, it, like, books it in. And I, I'm <laughs> allergic to cats, so Suboy has to pick it up. And then, of course, when he picks it up, he gives us some ear scratches and some attention. And he's super happy. And then we just have to chuck it out. I think you've been officially adopted. Yeah. So, yeah. Apparently, also, his cat that's inside the house, um... Yeah, apparently it doesn't like people, except it does nothing but rub up against my legs, so even though I'm allergic. <laughs> is this one of those cats where it, like, it doesn't like people, but is like, uh, it, or hates all people that are, are, are not girls, or one of those situations? Because I've no. met cats yeah, like no. that before. Because, like, Suboy's grandma lives in there, and then, like, Suboy's dad is in there all the time, and the cat just ignores them. But then I come in, and it's like, hi! Okay, maybe it, you're just new. No, no, this cat is scared of new people. Hmm. It wow. just likes hmm. me. I mean, I'm also the only person that will play with it. I think you figured we got, out like, a little... situation. <laughs> we got one of those, like, little uh, things on a string that you, like, bounce around the room, and the cat's like, oh, thing, and yeah. Hmm. It always seems like the cats and dogs and everything, they the more, more allergic you are, you are to them, the more they like you. Dude, mm, definitely. Yes. <laughs> Cats love like, me. I'm also very allergic to anything with hair, and it's like, it's like friend, and I'm, I'm dying. Same, but then you have to pet them anyway because they're so cute. Yes. My. And then your eyes itch and you can't breathe, and. Uh... And your eyes are all, <laughs> all itchy and red and. My my neighbor across the, uh, the 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 apartment building that I live in um, has this disabled cat, and it's back. It was in an accident when it was like a, a, a younger kitty, and um, it its back was shattered. Um, and it's 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 about seven years old, approximately. They don't know his exact age, but um, it, so he has no movement in his back legs. So he they tried to build a wheelchair for it, but this cat like completely refuses to to build a wheelchair. Uh, the guy who lives there. Um, he he is 
paid to live there by his Chinese parents um, to just like babysit their apartments in the area, um, housing problems. But anyway, he, he, he lives over there. And one of the things he does is he takes care of this cat, um, which he rescued um, from the, the, the like local shelters. And uh, literally like he takes it out for walks every evening, almost rain or shine. Um, he didn't win when there was snow, but like, he'll just wrap a towel around its let back legs and hold it. And it just, this cat, this, this is a big, like Tom cat, like a big, like, um, not, not a tabby, but like a, like kind of a, a darker, like multicolored cat. Um, and he just like walks this cat around and it'll like be a cat. It'll like jump up onto the edge thing with like two legs and he'll like, just like ferry it around with like this towel around its back legs and like pick him up and like place him like butt first into the garden and like let him poop, like bury his crap, put him back in, pick him up, walk him around again. Um, it's even funnier when like the other cats will come outside because there's like a lot of cats that kind of live in this area. It's like this community of cats. They all get along. It's very rare that we'll have cat fights, but this cat will like pick fights with every other cat he sees. Sees another cat, walks right up to it, hisses at him and bats him in the face. It's very funny. <laughs> don't, don't mess with that old Tom, but... <laughs> I think uh, I think we're gonna quickly jump to a break here, and then uh, when when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the games that we've been playing over the la over the last week or so, and then after that, we're gonna get into some of the biggest news stories of video games in ever. So, see you when we get back from the break. Hello there, my name is Trick, or better known as Evil Trick. I couldn't make it in today's podcast, but I do stream on Twitch, Thursday to Mondays, 13 Central European time. So maybe see you there, else I'd see you in the next podcast. And we are back. I hope that you enjoyed your, your brief uh, break from our uh, nonsensical nattering. Uh, this is, of course, the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and... Uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of games, uh, and I think uh, Sui or Bellinair could take this first one, which is uh, Epic Chef. Yeah, so we both played this before uh, 2022, but I know that we both played it, and we have very different opinions on it. Um, I know that we have different opinions, even though I haven't talked to Bell about it, like with Bell about it. Um, but my chat has been telling me about his experience with it. So, yeah. Um, basically, I wanted to say that I really liked the game, except I didn't really enjoy the cooking mechanic. And then it just overstayed its welcome. And it was so sad. So, but fr from the outside looking in, I know absolutely nothing about oh, this no. game. So, could, 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 could you give us, like... <laughs> Like a, a, a ten second rundown for anybody who maybe hasn't heard of the game or knows yeah. nothing about the game. It's um an it's an RPG game where you like source your ingredients by like farming it up or getting it from wherever, and then you uh, get three ingredients and you put it into a dish and cook, right? And it's an RPG and there's like lots of wacky stuff. There's some. Uh, pretty wacky humor in it, and yeah, Bell, would, how would you? Yeah, I would say it's like a Monkey Island game with some really bad cooking mechanics added to like The story stuff and everything is like amazingly written. Like if you like like Monkey style of humor, it's like really, really good. But like you said, the, the, the whole cooking mechanic, even though it's called like Epic Chef, it really, it's fun like for for five minutes, five minutes or something. And then it gets really, really tiring, oh God, yeah. especially towards the end of the game. 
Dude, I, okay, I didn't mind it at first, but then when you had to cook to level up, like, you, so you get these, like, experience points, and, but you can't actually level up until you eat a dish. And, like, the properties of that dish change how well you can level up. And so if you cook a really good dish, then you can, like, jump, like, three levels at once. Once you have the experience points all built up. But if you cook a bad one, you won't even get a single uh, ex level. And it was just a pain. Yeah, especially for cooking one of those really good dishes, you need a lot of the high uh, quality ingredients. Which require a lot of grinding that's really annoying, especially any of yeah. the higher tier like meat products uh, from the animals are like just pain in the butter. So how, so how does the cooking mechanic work exactly? It's basically just a mini game where you throw um, three ingredients, yeah, three yeah, ingredients, three or... and a sauce into the pan. Sauce is optional, basically. Uh, it gives like multipliers and things. Um, yeah. And you have like a like so we said there's three different colored like. Um, uh, Kind of experience things uh, on the on the food as well, and uh, different ingredients give you like different amounts of those. And then they have like a, if you put this ingredient with this other ingredient, you get a multiplier up with that or extra points and so on. And so you have to kind of uh, match three different ingredients to get as good a dish as possible. And then you chuck a sauce in there, which gives you like a um, five times for this one specific uh, ingredient. And in the cooking battles, then uh, you require like you need to make a dish that has like a one of these uh, really high. Uh, and so on. Yeah, um, and one thing, so you can kind of think of it as the three different uh, properties, I guess you can add, are like different flavors, let's say like spice, savory, and sweet, you know? I could never actually figure out what they were supposed to be, though. Like the red one, I think, was some sort of spice or like, maybe not spice, but like robustness. But, yeah, anyway, so do you agree with me then, Belle, that it was really good, but it just overstayed its welcome? Yeah, absolutely. And, okay. like, uh, when, when you get to, like, the like the competitions, like, you have to oh. first beat the bronze tier and silver tier and so on. Uh, those get really tiring, especially because they have this mechanic in the game. Like, they have a, like, box showing that uh, this is the kind of dish you need to cook um, in this combat. But it doesn't show you that until you unlock a, like a specific person who gives you this information. So most of the games you have to go into the cooking battle, see the requirements because yes. you see it in the in the actual battle as well. Oh, then you have to bail out wait, from wait, the combat. Wait, wait. You then you go get something. the materials. You forgot something. This the uh, cutscene to see what those requirements are is not skippable. So you have to sit oh, through yes, like a forty-five too. to one minute, forty-five second to one minute cutscene. That's not yes. skippable to find that out. And then, if you happen to forget, you have to do it again. Yes, which I did a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, a, what, a four leagues, 12 matches each, uh, with multiple rounds uh, on some of them that you have to all do and remember, plus all the other uh, fighting that you have to do as well. It gets really, really tiring very quickly. Yeah. Like, I, I just uh, went through it because I wanted to see the story. And the story is also written uh, in a really interesting way that it feels like okay this is the ending no it's not this is the ending no it's mm -hmm. not <laughs> this is the ending no it's not so you yeah. just keep going and going and going i actually gave up at one point i think it was like i don't know 30 40 hours in i was just like dude i'm done i don't want to grind anymore and my chat just found the end 
stuff and was like, here, watch this. So we just watched a YouTube video of the end cutscenes together. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just was so at one point the... but like, Yeah, I, I was almost as well. Like I took like 50-something hours to finish it. Though. I'm so angry. I'm, I'm happy I did it because I really enjoyed the story. But a um, lot of the um, menial tasks that you have to do to get there could be streamlined a lot. Also, so. they forced you to do all the side quests. You, I got to yes. a point where I literally couldn't progress because I didn't do a side quest that I thought I didn't have to do. And then um, I just couldn't unlock a thing because I didn't do some side quest yeah. that's, like, not even related remotely to it. It was so yeah. dumb. You get the, the final ending, you have to do literally everything in the game. Which is so stupid. you get stupid. this, like, other uh, kind of ending cutscene and feel it all part of the story already and it's like okay i'm done and then these are probably gonna be just the leftover uh, like uh, additional things i can do but no they force you to do that to get the final ending yep and it's like i'm not a completionist i don't want to sit there and do the entire game let me just enjoy the story yeah. enjoy the parts i like and move on i have other games yeah, i was hoping as well that they were like okay if you want to get the achievement for these you can do them but you don't have to but then yeah turns out you had to and I'm just so sad because, like, that game had so much potential. And, like, as I was playing, I was like, oh, I'm having a great time. And then it just kept dragging on and on. And it's like, yeah, it could have been so good. Yeah, you get, like, the farming mechanic and uh, the cooking mechanic in the game, like, in the first uh, hour or two. And then it really doesn't progress from that in any way. No. It still does just the same thing for the next 50 hours so that you keep doing yeah, and then at one point they give you a restaurant, and you're like, ooh, I get to use some, like, restaurant management. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was like, ooh, this is going to be cool, and I'm going to have a restaurant, and I get to build things in there and dress it up and everything. Then you put a couple tables in there and a couple dishes in the menu, and that's it. But from the outside looking in, that, that game kind of looks like something that was very ambitious, but just sort of, like, missed. Like, I, I, I mean... As as much like just listening to your guys' conversation, it sounds it sounds like you neither like you both had a lot of problems with the game. But like, was there things that you liked it with, uh, enough about it that like made you stick with it? Like, was it just the story? The story and the characters really like they are really really well done. Like it it feels like almost different people made the story and everything, and then someone else made the game. I enjoyed the process of grinding out all the materials. It's just I hated the cooking, so when it got to the actual cooking, I was like, ugh. But I had a yeah, ton of fun just getting a bunch of like storage chests and filling them with all the different ingredients. Yeah, that's not too bad, like compared to many other like similar like uh, farming games or like Stardew Valley mm -hmm. and everything. You don't need to do the same level of uh, farming. You get the the stuff you need very quickly. Also, like, it's one of those games where you you kind of, like, turn your brain off for a while, and then all of a sudden something weird happens, and you're like, okay, I gotta find this out, you know? So yeah. the story is pretty good, and it's just, like, there is a good sense of adventure, because a lot of... There's new places to go and stuff for quite a long time. Kind of the the, 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 the takeaway I have from listening to you guys, you two talk about this, is... uh. If I want to play a cooking RPG, I, I'm gonna play Battle Chef Brigade. Yeah. 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 Don't don't play it for the cooking. Play it for the story. Yeah. Or watch uh, the story on YouTube. Or <laughs> yeah. Like, the story is the story is that good. You you literally should watch it uh, if you don't play it. Fine. But uh, Battle Chef Brigade is much better. It doesn't overstay its welcome at all, and I like its mechanics better too. Honestly. Yeah. Um, like they, they could have had a lot of a uh, really good interesting mechanics in there if they actually involve like uh, evolve the cooking in some other way like you literally get three ingredients 
and that's the like the basic cooking and then you get sauce added to it and that's it that's all of the cooking oh, i hated the fishing they could have definitely did a lot more of that bell the fishing yes uh... <laughs> oh yeah that's that's one other thing that's i really 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 hated okay so it's a yeah. okay. Okay. Some you know, it was stardew fishing but terrible i was just gonna i was just <laughs> yeah, trying exactly. to ask on a scale from stardew fishing to good fishing how terrible was the fishing it's, Stardew, it's like Stardew, but terrible. Fishing, but absolutely so, terrible. Okay. How do you make it worse than that? Yeah, though? yeah. You uh, just do. If, if you play the Stardew, well, you have the bobber going up and down when when you need to match like the fisher to get the fisher, and you have the bar going up uh, that you're like, yeah. catching it. This has the exact same mechanic, but um, the controls and how it moves is like absolutely insane, and there is like no relation to how you are controlling it. It just goes wherever it wants. Yeah, and and there's no audio cues. It's just an awkward silence while you're doing it, and you have to have, like, really good focus. <laughs> it takes forever. Well, I'm glad that I did not get into that game, because I tried that game for around two hours, because I actually had a sponsored segment for this game. I think it was two hours. Maybe one hour. Um, and I didn't really feel it at the time, and I was always like, a, yeah, maybe I'll get back to this eventually. But then I watched Bell play, and Bell was always kind of like, yeah, and then now that I hear that... Did you did you meet the carpenter? Uh, no, I don't think I did. The carpenter? No. Yes, that's the point that I really like. Uh, I, I like. I love this game. Like the, when, when you meet the carpenter, that's when I, like, I, I'm sold. Mm, okay, yeah, no, I didn't get that uh, far. For me, honestly, it was probably just when you meet the golem. Because I was like, ooh, mystical yeah, fantasy too. stuff. Okay. Oh, oh and the, the um, chef knight guy. That's also amazing. I wasn't as big on that. Anyway. When, for, for me, I just, I, I took one look at that game and then looked at, at Bellinaire's hour count and was like, nah! <laughs> like, if, if that game was like four hours, I could see myself playing through it, but like 50? Uh-uh. Okay, 10. Yeah. 10 hours would have been perfect for that game. Get rid of making it, us do the like side the quest. Like this. The story content is like a, like probably 30 hours of that. Like there's a lot of grinding when doing the cooking, but there is a lot of story in that game. Like actually okay. a lot of hours. But make it so we don't have to do any side quests if we don't want to. And boom. Yeah. Casual mode where you just skip all of the yeah. nonsense. So. And it's like 20 hours. You do that 20 hours of gameplay. Yeah. That'd be nice. That's and already it'd be long. perfect. It's like I, I play video games for a living and that feels long. I don't know. I start tapping her out it, around it like 40 hours, usually. 30 to 40. I, I don't have that kind of endurance for that type of game, I don't think. Okay, but I, I'm an RPG fan. Like That's Fair. Yeah. my yeah. favorite genre is RPGs, right? Yeah, you, you, you want the game to last for a long time. No, it's more of I enjoy... <laughs> Hi, Sorry. Cat. Well, the game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like the cat is protesting because the cat sees paparazzi in the dock and is going, hmm. Yep. Uh, no, but I enjoyed like the questing and stuff and the story and all that. So I'm just, I'm just a huge RPG fan. I like all the elements of it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you combine it with like a like Stardew Valley style, uh, like a grinding farming thing, I really enjoy that type of things as well. But I, I need some kind of like a proper progression on it. And this um, just didn't really have it uh, in the same way. Well, I, I, that, that's unfortunate. But, like, it, it did seem like there was some things to, to like about that. And I, once again, like, uh, we've been discussing Epic Chef, uh, which is available on many video game platforms where video games are purchased. 
Um, is there anything kind of you guys want to say as like a closing thoughts on Epic Chef before we move on to the next thing? We just wish it was a little, it was faster. It could be so much better. Yeah. If they make a second game, I'll definitely play it. Oh, yeah. Epic Chef 2, chop down the big, I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I, I, I'm, I got a kind of a quickie uh, before I pass this off to FG because she's got something to talk about after that. Uh, but uh, I, so I have a soft spot in games. Um, I really like taking pictures of things. Um, I've got very fond memories of Pokemon Snap. I never, I've never owned it, um, but I played it at my cousin's house years ago when it was new. Um, and uh, one of my favorite games that I played last year, which came out in 2019, actually, was a Umarangi Generation. Um, or actually, I think I played it in 2020, and it came out in 2019. God, where does where's the time gone? Anyway, well, it was a game called Umarangi Generation, uh, which is also about taking pictures of things. But a game about taking pictures of things came out uh, yesterday, quite literally, so this is hot off the presses. Uh, Paparazzi, published by uh, Dwarf Fortress publisher Kit Fox Games, um, it is uh, by uh, Sunday Month is the, the name of the developer. Um, is it's a it's a very simple game. It's uh, Pokemon Snap. You get um, little selections of tasks to go take pictures of things in an open area, and it's primarily dogs. Uh, there's some really great humor in there. Uh, it's the the dogs don't animate; they just kind of bounce and do backflips and things. Uh, there's dogs on bicycles, dogs on skateboards. Um, every now and again, you get a mission from the elusive cat who uh, wants to see his um, his stock market generally, like because he's the business cat, um, and he uh, and he'll tell you to go take pictures of like uh, I need to find my my stock portfolio, which left by the the bench in the park, and then you go into the park and you find the stock portfolio that was left by the bench, uh, and you take a photo of it and you send it to him, and then he calls you peasant, and it's great. Um, and the, the, there's just dogs everywhere, and you can pet them. Also, you're an anthropomorphic camera. You're not actually a person in this game. Um, and uh, people, there are no humans, but there's humanomorphs, which are weird robots that feed the dogs and clean up after the dogs. Um, there's just a lot of good humor. It's just very light and fluffy, and I, I, I've been enjoying just plotting around and taking pictures of dogs for a bit. So how is the gameplay on that? Like, uh, is the taking pictures actually funner? So you start off with just a very basic lens, um, and then pretty quickly you start unlocking other lenses. Um, They're all very silly versions of real-life lenses. So one of the first lenses you unlock is um, like a a fish eye, which is literally a fish with an eyeball on the side of it that you stick to the front of your face. (laughs) Um, There's the pixelated lens that makes it look like a Game Boy. There's various different lenses. and there's also different types of film that have different coloration options. So you don't get like a, a like in something like Umarangi Generation, which is a bit more of a simulator, you get like a slider where you can slide between different color gradients. This like you you can purchase different film in the uh, vending machine, um, which um, is like your main form of progression. You get you get new lenses, and um, cert- there will be missions and objectives in every area that require lenses that you don't have yet that you can't afford so you go to the next area to uh earn more um they call them bonks but they're dog bones um which you earn for completing missions and you also find them throughout the environment the game also becomes a little bit of a 3d platformer you have a double jump uh there are skateboards that you can ride and various other things and so you traverse the environment to find more items um so it's a combination of completing objectives to earn in-game currency uh to uh, acquire new lenses to then go out. Taking photos is fun. Um, it's not as intense as something like a Numerangi generation, which is more of a simulator. It's very much kind of an arcadey photography game. Um, but uh, the other kind of form of progression that the game has is um, followers. So you can post 
um, your better photos that include more dogs or maybe dogs carrying items because you can like you'll get bonus points for say throwing a stick and then a dog grabs a stick and it's like dog playing with stick or a friendly dog because there's a pet the dog button so if you pet the dog then the dog becomes a friendly dog and they get hearts above them so um, if you have a dog holding a stick next to an object and it's properly like on the edge of the thing and it's black and white film then you get different you get extra bonus scores and so if you get a particularly nice photo you can post it on dogpedia um which is like the game's social media and you can get followers and money that way as well outside of the mission structure that the game gives you um so there's like that kind of progression there's also like just like pokemon snap where you could like take a picture of every single pokemon um you can save photos and try and get a, po a photo of every single breed of dog um so there's lots of different like ways of like earning in-game money as well as um uh, kind of progressing through the different levels. And there's plenty of reasons to go back. Um, I, I, I'm i on like the, I I just finished the city level and I got to the desert level. Um, and then with, with, they all have like very punny names. Um, and uh, you, I've already got reasons to go back to the first two levels because new areas have unlocked there. So there, there seems to be quite, quite a lot of like returning to other areas. Um, it's, it's on game pass. So if you have game pass, like just, just try it um it's also uh i think it's like it's like 15 bucks on steam i i, I kind of look at it already like it's I, I put about two and a half hours into the thing and um there's tons of stuff unlocking and think reasons to go back to all the old areas and take photos of stuff and if if you have played pokemon snap and you're looking to put the new pokemon snap going eh, that's 80 dollars <laughs> um maybe like have a look at this as an alternative to that um it's also like it's not on rails like Pokemon Snap as well. It's like it's a freely open environment. You can just walk around. Yeah, because I really enjoy taking photos in the games as well. Like I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, the newest expansion, the Endwalker, and I have maybe five thousand screenshots uh, from that uh, going through the story. Um, and I also played uh, the Beasts of Maraville, which kind of also like uh, taking photos in and this like a uh, jungle, uh, taking wildlife pictures. Uh, but uh, it, it was very disappointing. It was very short, and it was very on rails basically, and you just took. A photos and it wasn't really interesting in the same way like this time on the sound so yeah i have no idea how so long i wanted to give this a spin i have no idea how long paparazzi is going to end up being um but like from where i'm sitting right now i could probably replay every zone that i've played so far and double the amount of time that i put in just from stuff that i've unlocked yeah so but it also sounds like a game with a uh, if it get, if it's really long, it might get uh, kind of yeah uh, kind of samey taking pictures. Uh, so yeah, it's limited length might be good also on that. Uh. Yeah, it it, it kind of I it, games like this can certainly outstay the outstay their welcome. I think that like my favorite in kind of the photography genre of ever is probably just Umarangi Generation, and that's like I'm not gonna spoil anything from that game, but that's like the best game for 2020 that didn't come out in 2020. Um, but it's like about two yeah, and a half hours you play that, and it seemed really good that, that game was about two and a half hours like i finished it in one sitting um and then went back and 100 of it so it's like even with the dlc that game's about two and a half hours um which i think is kind of like the sweet spot for this type of thing but like this isn't a long session game this isn't something that i would recommend sitting down playing for eight hours but it's definitely like a i'm going to probably 100 paparazzi over the next couple of months so yeah i'm definitely gonna give it a go as well based on your recommendation here but uh that's kind of all i really have to say about taking photos of dogs uh uh fg uh you've got expeditions rome i do yeah i have um also heart of the press came out yesterday as well so that's the 20th because we're recording this not on the 23rd um 
well, but you know, you know, it's gonna be weird when people are like wait yesterday, but it says the twentieth. This is weird. Uh, also, av also available on your preferred platform, uh, Steam, Epic, and GOG. So go go nuts, I guess, if you want to buy it. Um, it's the third game in the Expedition series. Um, the first game I don't think many people have heard of, Expedition Conquistadors. Uh, but Expeditions Viking, people may have heard of which came out um, several years ago. And the new one is Rome. And it's uh, basically alternate history in a way, because um, it's basically, well, but what if Caesar died? <laughs> and you're the main character. But it's um, basically a, a tactical turn-based um, RPG. Um, you know, isometric... Uh, turn-based combat you walk around you explore there's lots of loot to grab um but uh the setting is pretty interesting um but what what actually really won me over is um the writing in the game the writing is really really good um the characters um they're voiced so um the only thing that's not voiced is the main protagonist so that makes it you know not too bad for streaming because, you know, you've got the, the other characters reading out their text and then you just read out your answers. Um, and they just, the writing is just so good that it gives it personality. Um, like, it, it's just really, really fun. And I knew, I knew I would like the game because uh, I booted up the game, right, as you do when you're streaming a game. And like a professional streamer that I am, um, I, of course, did all the setting up of the settings before I started the stream. Y yeah. Yes, I always yeah, do yeah. every single time. <laughs> but no, no, so yeah, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, no, but I did that, and I opened up the settings menu, and literally every settings menu thing that has a tooltip has a little humorous quip associated with it. And it's just, like, it's so funny. Like, you open it, I think we spent probably about 10 minutes just in the settings menu, literally reading every setting just because of that humor in there and i don't know it's just like from that moment on i was like this is this is gonna be good this is this is gonna be funny and good and um no it's just it's i've been really enjoying it um i stream it for two days now um i've got uh, the twitch extension on so it's really nice as a streamer because there's like choices to make and there's branching stories depending on how you you know make your choices i killed a character i'm not gonna say who i killed but I could have used that character like three maps later in an assault. Um, but because I killed that character, that particular option of like doing that particular assault wasn't available to me. Um, and uh, so it's got Twitch extension, not through chat, which is yay, thumbs up for me. So no spam. Uh, it's an on-screen extension and people can just vote on like, you know, what you want to do. But there's a lot of customization with that, which is really cool. So I can, you can turn on, you, you know, start the vote automatically or you do the vote and is the vote binding or is it not? Or that's what it's like. It's just really, ah, it's just really good. I highly recommend if you, if you enjoy CRPGs, uh, turn-based CRPGs, super recommend. It's super fun. I did have a couple of bugs, but um, I played, the first day I played the pre-release version and there was a patch that came out when the game, like just before the game came out, and that fixed most of the issues that I had. So, yeah, no, big, big thumbs up from me. Um, 
I just really, really enjoyed it. I think Kiri also really enjoyed it. She also played it. Um, yeah, it's just really, really good. That's all I wanted to say about it. It's good. Buy it. <laughs> Not sponsored. You, you kind of blew my mind with the uh, with, with with the comment of um, uh, the, the the previous two games because I didn't know that there that this was a franchise. Yeah, it is. I yeah. only just yeah, realized yeah, that. Yeah. It is indeed, and uh, yeah. Also, I think it's kind of funny because every single one they've put out is uh, $10 more expensive than the one before. <laughs> to be like, fair. The first one is $20, second one is 30 and this one's 40 Yeah, they, they have added a lot more stuff to it. Like, it's a lot more... Um, there's a lot more meat in the game because um, you have, your, you have your, your group that you run around with. Uh, you have your camp that you do upgrades for and you build things and you... You have your little group of Praetorius that you upgrade. Um, and then you also have the Legion that you manage. And then you do Legion fights as well. So you have your tactical top-down um, base battles. And then you have the Legion fights, which are not as elaborate as, say, like in a total war or anything like that. It's 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 a little bit more involved auto-resolve phase from total war. So basically, yeah, there's four phases of a battle. You choose a commander for the battle. And you have, um, uh, for each phase of the battle, you choose a stratagem on how to do it. And depending, depending on what you do, uh, you get like tactical advantages or you make sure that your morale goes up or your defense goes up, etc., etc. Um, there's a lot of meat in that game. I, I've played 16 hours now, I want to say, roughly-ish. Yeah, 15 and a half hours. And I have not yet completed the first act of the story. Um, so, yeah. There, there's a whole bunch more to do <laughs> in the game. It's really good. Well, maybe, maybe we can get in an update in a couple of weeks from you. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. That, 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 that does sound kind of awesome, but... Uh... We we uh, that once again that was expeditions uh, colon Rome, um, but uh, we we've got another uh, uh, game that Sui would like to talk about. So do you want to dive into that? Yeah. Okay. So um, I have not like been streaming or playing games too too much for the past week because of my fatigue problems. But uh, prior to that, I was playing through Grow Song of the Evertree, which is just amazing. Like I've been really really enjoying it. It's it came out back in, like, November of 2021, yeah, but I only got around to it recently because I just have a huge backlog of review keys to get through, and this game is so good. It's really cute and pretty and, like, super whimsical, and basically, um, there's this, like, tree that makes life happen, I guess. It's, I'm really bad at explaining stuff, um... And, um, you know, the typical something hit it and it's called the withering and it, like, makes it so it's sickly and everything. And so you are the person who stayed behind and is going to try and fix it and take care of this tree and get it to go back up. And so you, like, throughout it, you make different worlds that you go and tend to, which are not very big. You think of worlds and you think of, like, this massive thing, but it's just, it's not too, too big, and it's just this area where you, like, uh, pluck weeds and water plants and all kinds of stuff like that, you know, get rid of rubble, and then, um, there's another section in the game, which takes a little bit of time to get into, but, um, 
where you are managing a little city, like a little town, and you gotta like choose what people to get into it, help them skill up, and tell them what to work as, and decorate their house, and it's just really cute and fun, and I recommend it. I'm 26 hours in, and I think I'm near the end. Um, I, I'm looking at this one on, on Steam right now, and uh, I, I, I'm not particularly into like this style of game, but I just I love that we're at the point now where games are starting to look like Pixar films. Mm, like agreed, yeah. It's very colorful. It's very bright. Everything's kind of got like a larger than life, like like I, I maybe not quite a Pixar style, but definitely like animated movie kind of visual aesthetic mm. to it. This is beautiful looking. Oh, it's That's... so pretty. It is so pretty, and like you pretty much get to make your character look however you want. Like they um something I really liked is when I believe when you first make your character. You can choose any pronouns, so, like, they'll let you pick um, male, female, and then non-binary. And then uh, choosing a uh, gender does not lock you to cosmetics at all. That's always good. I think it might change body types a tiny bit, but not much. That, that, that sounds lovely. And, and like I said, like, visually this game is kind of striking, so... Um, but one, once again, that is Grow Song of the Evertree, um, which is available on a video game platform of, uh, at, at the very least, Steam. That's where I looked for it. Near so you. I don't, I don't know where else mm -hmm. it's available, but uh, at least one, the one that a lot of people use. Um, but uh, <laughs> on the topic of video games being available on uh, platforms, I think it's time for us to uh, rise to the occasion, and uh, Bellinaire's got one to take over here. Yeah, so I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter Rise finally on PC, which came out uh, about a year ago on Switch uh, exclusively. And then uh, about a year now later, we finally got it on PC as well and came out about a week ago. And I've been grinding some monsters, uh, maybe a few too many hours already. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was just wanted to talk about a little bit. So if you're not playing Monster Hunter, it's, it's in the title, you hunt big monsters uh, and just basically boss battles uh, the game. Uh, but the, this one uh, uh, came after the, like, uh, the Monster Hunter World, which was the big uh, uh, move to uh, get the Western players play Monster Hunter, which was wildly successful. And also Rise has been now like a top 5 game on Steam for a uh, what, week and a half it's been uh, released, uh, so it's been really popular as well. And they, they really like took uh, all of the quality of life that they made in World and just uh, supercharged it in this one. Like, uh, they had really bad um, multiplayer and lobby systems and everything in the previous games, especially the uh, handheld versions. Uh, and, and this one uh, has such a good uh, lobby system, like multiplayer, that, like, other games should really take a hint from this one. Like, it's actually really, really good. Like, we have had some disconnects, but that happens. Um, but, yeah, like, you can, like, instantly join back, uh, you can lobby with friends, uh, and it, it just works so well. It's, like, so well done. And all the other quality of life improvements just make this, like, a, such a such a joy to play. And uh, since this was made for a Switch originally, which obviously doesn't have that great uh, hardware under it, uh, uh, the PC version runs like amazing, like so, so well. Uh, they upscaled uh, the graphics to 4K, uh, unlimited frame rate. And since it's uh, made for a Switch uh, on a PC, on a good PC, you can actually run those high frame rates uh, even on a pretty mediocre PC. And it still works like 60 FPS. 120 FPS, 144, no issue. It's like smooth as butter. It's just so good. 
And other than that, it's it's more Monster Hunter. Um, although this time it's much more mobile, faster, which uh, kind of brings an interesting uh, dimension. It's like a lot more three-dimensional because you have this like a wire bugger thing that you can use to launch yourself in the air and climb walls and everything. Because uh, Monster Hunter's have it pretty... You're stuck to the ground and that's it. Uh, uh, until World Order allowed you to uh, move a lot more uh, three-dimensionally and then they went even more further with this one. Uh, and you can ride monsters, you can climb mountains, and it's really weird uh, <laughs> when you get into it first. It's like, I don't know how to play this, because I'm, you, you're so used to, if you played a lot of Monster Hunters, you're used to having that, like, okay, I'm on ground 2D plane, but suddenly have you have like, a whole new dimension uh, to play with. And it's a, it's a really interesting new addition uh, to the whole series. I'm trying to think what was the last Monster Hunter I played. I, I want It was on the 3DS, and I, I want to say it was, like, the last one that they put on the 3DS. Um, and I that's probably four, I think. Yeah. It was it was it was an ultimate, ultimate. something. Um, so probably yeah, they always that. do that. Uh, so um, in, in Japan, they always do like uh, they get Monster Hunter three or Monster Hunter four, which includes uh, uh, like a low rank and high rank monsters, which doesn't really mean anything if you haven't played the game. And then they introduce uh, uh, it's called new ultimate in the West. I don't remember what they call it in a in Japan, but they basically sell the same game separately. Not no DLC or anything expansion uh, separately, which includes the master rank, which is like the, all the very high ranking monsters. So you have to uh, at least previously you had to buy the game twice in Japan to get the best experience. The uh, the and then uh, the, the kind of scare the kind of sad part about that is just like you'd get like less dedicated players like me who would like jump in briefly in the in in one game and then just like never really realize what I was missing out on because I never got very deep into Monster Hunter and it's it's kind of neat like seeing it like hit the mainstream with World and now this come out where it's just like kind of going back to a more like traditional kind of Monster Hunter mold but also like expanding on it mechanically at the same time it's just like it, it it's it's neat kind of seeing that community keep going I, I i don't know i think that 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 business model is kind of antiquated but also in a way i kind of like it more than just making it into a uh tm live service if you know what i mean um so i, I don't know it's, it's a weird business model but it's glad, glad i was really worried uh, with this like a uh, following up uh, uh, like world was a uh, like pc mainly and then also like playstation antics as well and they went like really high end with the graphics and everything compared to like the previous games and then they went back to Switch, which obviously can't do the same uh, um, graphics as a, and everything as a PC can. But they actually did it really well. Like uh, I was worried it would be not so great. Well, from but, uh, from watching like, your streams, like the probably the best in the series. From watching your streams, like the, the the monsters move in a very realistic fashion, which is what you need for Monster yeah. Hunter. Yeah, that's always have that's always been a thing. But, and and now now that it's like smooth as butter, FPS. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so good. And, and then like and it's, it's also I'm not sure if it's a thing, but the as we've been playing, it feels like they are scaled all the monsters to be a little bigger than they used to be. Like I, I ran into some monster and it's like, you seem much bigger than I remember, <laughs> which uh, just adds to like how more epicness uh, of the things. I, I think instead of just looking like a particle effect madness kind of like um, world did, it just kind of ends up looking like a plastic toy, like yeah, which. I, visually, I, I I think is like aesthetically fine, and like like you said, it it's still Monster Hunter, and it, it, it gets all that across. And if the monsters yeah, are, are larger, that's even better. You're there for the gameplay much more than the fancy yeah. effects and everything. Yeah. Well, and it's also uh, coming out with the uh, so this time they are not doing the you buy it twice. Uh, they actually are coming with a proper expansion in the uh, June, I think actually, 
of this year. So oh, that's pretty soon. A couple more months and we'll get like a whole new amount of content. They're still doing the low rank, high rank in the base version, and then the master rank is the expansion that comes out this summer. Are they coming out on multiple platforms at the same time, or is there going to be like a that I do not know actually thing for a period? Um, I think they did with the world, if I don't remember completely wrong. It was uh, firstly on consoles, then it came to PC, and then the expansion was a uh, launched same time. Yeah, maybe? that that caused some contra. I I remember like hearing people being mad about that. It's like you got the like because like they got the updates and like the the live events like in at the same yeah. time at a point and then like the dlc was like nine months delayed for pc or something and it kind of like killed that yeah. player base for a bit they do have that whole like a uh, free content uh, pretty regularly actually and they, they did have uh, just launch um uh, an event on switch which is not on pc yet but it might be because uh, uh pc just released uh which do does include like all the content small content events and everything they did uh, throughout the last year so the PC version has all, all of that immediately, which kind of feels weird. Uh, also, like you go to them, like there's like an add-on uh, section in there, which is like you download all these uh, extra events and you just go and there's like a seven pages of new events. Uh, and then you just get like a bunch of stuff uh, just thrown at your face immediately. It's like, okay, that's a lot of events <laughs> suddenly. But I, I hope they do uh, do the same release and, and then all the events uh, start also going at about about the same time. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess we, we we got. I guess we'll have to check back in with you at some point when uh, that 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 uh, DLC comes out, and so we we can hear more about Monster Hunter shenanigans in the in the future. But uh, once again, that was Monster Hunter Rise, and the games that we've talked about in this section are uh, Epic Chef, Paparazzi, Expeditions Rome, uh, Song or Grow's Song of the Evertree. I wanted to swap Song and Grow for some reason in my brain, and uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, we're gonna take a break. And uh, we will continue with your Halcyon Frequency podcast just after this quick message. Hello there. I'm Mojess. Be sure to add an underscore to the middle if you're browsing on Twitch. If you like a variety of strategy, simulation, and management style games in a cozy, wholesome environment, I have got the channel for you. Stop by at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, which is UTC minus 7. Mondays through Thursdays to join in on the fun. And now, please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And we're back. And once again, this is the Halcyon Frequency podcast that you are currently listening to. Uh, and um, so, eh, how how do I start this news segment? I mean, <laughs> I've... <laughs> Like, I, I've been playing video games for a very long time. I think I speak for everybody here. Like, you know, we've all, like, at least to a degree been following this industry for probably a while. Um, this is the biggest video game news I think I've ever heard. Pretty much, yeah. Period. Definite, absolutely money-wise. What's even funnier is, like, another really big thing happened, which isn't even on this document. So, I'm just going to read this. My Microsoft, uh is buying Activision Blizzard King, uh, or it has signed an agreement to, and has announced that they are planning to purchase Activision, Activision Blizzard King for $68.7 billion. Um, because last week, uh, Take-Two bought Zynga, the Farmville people, and I guess, like, Microsoft is like, hey, <laughs> Take-Two, you think you're cool buying them for $12 billion? Well, uh, have we got a story for you. Um, so, once again... Activision is called the Call of Duty people. Blizzard is the Blizzard people. We know what they do. 
um, I would think. And King is, uh, well, they're Candy Crush um, and all of the sagas. They're the people that tried to copyright the word saga not too long ago. Um, this is... Mental. Well, first off, I'm just gonna. I'm I'll let you talk in a second, FG. But <laughs> this is insane because it's the. It really kind of puts into perspective. Phil Spencer, uh, head of uh, Xbox, was. Uh, I want to say it was this past summer. Was stating what uh, was talking about um, Call of Duty specifically, and there's a quote from him where he says, "We are currently in negotiations to work on our relationship with Activision Blizzard." Um, in respect to Call of Duty. And it's it puts that statement to a whole new perspective now. After you, you were going to say something and then I babbled over top of you. No, it's just, it's just Microsoft at one point in time Microsoft was, you know, in the gaming sphere. We all remember games for Windows Live and how terrible it was and all of that sort of stuff. And then Microsoft disappeared. And now it's suddenly like once that goes through next year, Microsoft suddenly is the third biggest video game company out there again. And it's like, what? What timeline is this? Because like, it's not just that they're obviously now they're, you know, they bought, bought this huge studio, but it's not like it's their first or second or even third acquisition in the last couple of years like they have so much yeah, now shopping around a lot it's mental is uh it's crazy like the with the timeline right like microsoft was the big company coming into games way back with the original xbox they ran that console for a couple of years and then ran away from it with their tail between their legs and pretended it didn't happen. Launched the Xbox 360 and that was a massive success, right? Yeah. Um, alongside of Call of Duty with Activision too. Um, and then they were kind of the head of the show for a little while at the very least when it comes to like the mainstream console scene. Uh, they tried to get into PC gaming as you said with Windows Live and nobody liked that and that was horrible and they became like the scourge of PC gaming but like we're still loved in the console space and then Xbox One happened and they ceased being like acknowledged <laughs> because everybody hated it, Xbox One so much and those con that console was underpowered, it had problems, uh, it was supposed to be an online only box and nobody wanted that and now they've pivoted they've managed to pivot that into more of a software company and now their head goal is just we want game pass subscribers yep and they are trying to position it so that they can get like xbox game pass or just game pass on nintendo platforms and on sony platforms that's what they want that is their end game currently and they're just trying to make that as necessary as possible for their current st and still bigger than them competitor in this space. Like as a as a corporation, Microsoft is bigger than Sony, but the gaming division Xbox is still like as you said, smaller than Sony. Sony still uh, is a larger company, um, so Sony still has swinging power. Um, but like they they are trying to take that, um, but in doing so, they they are buying Activision Blizzard King. At a point when they're they're down in the dirt for being a horrible corporation. Um, I, if anybody pays any attention to gaming news, like uh, they're being sued by the state of California for malpractice. They are like mistreating workers. Uh, currently, um, shoutouts to um, Patrick Klepek over at Waypoint uh, Vice Games. Um, the the a strike fund has been uh, 
like ra they've raised four hundred thousand dollars in a strike fund to uh, start a union over at Raven Software, which is the one of the main supports, one of the main studios working on uh, Call of Duty um, Warzone. The uh, the that, that studio's been they've they've been on strike for like six weeks now because they laid off the majority of their QA, and this is a live game that is ongoing that needs support QA, and also it's a game that is notorious for being buggy and breaking, and. So on, on top of purchasing this corporation with a objectively terrible CEO, who's horrible, um, combined with a terrible work culture, like they, they, they're biting off so much. There's so many quotes out of Phil Spencer over the past, uh, that, that are coming back up from the past uh, couple months, like back in November, about him talking about um, just the horrible things that they're doing over there and basically saying like, you know, they, we need to keep them at arm's length to a degree. And now it's just like, all of the official information coming out of Xbox is just talking about how uh, Bobby Kotick is staying on indefinitely. But every single piece of room, every single rumor coming out of the rumor mill is saying, oh, he's going to be gone the literal second Microsoft takes over, which is summer 2023. Um, I'm inclined to believe the rumor mill here, but I, Bobby Kotick needs to go. Yeah. And they need to restructure that company. Like, I, I can't speak for Microsoft. I don't know what their corporate culture is like, but... You can't really get worse than where Activision Blizzard has been. Oh no, I'm optimistic. Yeah, also the uh, Bloomberg posted an article that the Activision employees are also saying that they're very optimistic about the acquisition. So hopefully, uh, it seems also within the company they're also uh, interested, like really into this uh, whole uh, weird merger, I guess. Blizzard in particular, like like talking not not even like like not company culture, not Kotick and his horribleness. Um, Blizzard itself, just when, when it comes to games, has been getting a little bit stale, and I think we can all agree on that. And when I say a little bit, that's a, a lot. Um, and hopefully, this this breathes in fresh air into that you know, entire thing as well. That's what I'm thinking. Like, also gaming-wise, like, there is... We live in a timeline where potentially Xbox or, you know, yeah, Xbox Game Pass gives you your wor World of Warcraft subscription. Like, what even yeah. is a world anymore? <laughs> the, 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 the interesting thing about the Game Pass model, though, is, like, I, I could see the Game Pass model being a net positive for Activision Blizzard. Um, just, like, I so there is a world, right, where all games end up on uh, Xbox Game Pass, and then anything that doesn't, that isn't on Game Pass is an, is an instant failure, right? Like, there, there is a possibility that we get to the Netflix situation where unless you are on one of the major streaming services, you're just, you don't exist. Um, so I could very much see, like, the Game Pass model being a negative in the future, but for current times, we're looking at they're they're not just acquiring like Activision Blizzard King. They're acquiring uh, quite literally like a dozen studios that are under Activision. And yeah, Activision is the publishing uh, branch of the Activision Blizzard, and they have like a ton of uh, smaller uh, developers under their their wing. And I'm actually interested to see what happens with that thing because uh, like the Activision Blizzard is like that. You have the Activision Publishing, you have the Blizzard, and then you have the King for the mobile stuff. So are they gonna like uh, maybe separate those into like a separate entities? Like, I could see that happening. Like, Activision is going to become, like, the publishing wing for under the Microsoft, and they're going to sweep all their other studios under that whole publishing, because you already have the 
everything going there. You have the publishing uh, PR and everything. Why not just lump everything there? Then you have Blizzard as its own entity. You can kind of have this whole, like, a whole new rise of Blizzard. It's not under any Activision or Vivendi or any of these other companies anymore. It's like Blizzard is back. And they try to get that to where it was maybe 10 years ago. And then King is the mobile stuff and they just sweep all the mobile under that as well. Like they get, have a really good chance of like structuring their things with the, uh, this uh, whole purchase. Uh, I, I mean, I think you're going to see layoffs because in this kind of thing, you, you always see layoffs. And like, like because you were saying that, like, maybe they'll split the publishing. Out. I have a feeling that we're going to see layoffs uh, for Activision, Blizzard, um, Activision and Blizzard separately for their publishing arms because Microsoft already has yeah, that. Right. So, yeah, you already have that. So you don't need to there will be layoffs there. Twice. But the silver lining on this is Activision owns a lot of IP that. They're doing kind of nothing with like we saw we saw a new Spyro pretty recently right but and we we saw a new Tony Hawk or the the remasters of Tony Hawks but like Tony a Tony Hawk game would work perfectly on Game Pass. Uh, the Phil Spencer was also talking about like we own these IPs now we have Hexen yes let's make these absolutely so we might be seeing a resurgence of some of these older IPs uh, coming with the whole thing. Give Hexen to id Software, you own that too. Yeah, they, there are so many. Uh, do they? Yeah, they do because that's Bethesda. It's Bethesda, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, oh, yeah, they both <laughs> yeah, Bethesda. There's, yeah, there's so Absolutely. many <laughs> options of like either IP crossover Sierra, <laughs> or like just being able to revive old things and like I don't know, like there, there's a lot of options, which is exciting. It's crazy because they 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 own Double Fine, right? Which is all of the old Lucasfilm people. To a degree, or a, a large a, a large number of the original Lucasfilm um, point and click adventure people, right? Like you know Monkey Island and all that stuff. But now they also own they own Space Quest. Now they 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 own Phantasmagoria. They own a lot of like all of the other point and click adventures from the other side. Mental. So they could they they could give Space Quest to Double Fine if they wanted to. Like that, that's I mean, this whole uh, crossover thing is already starting uh, because uh, uh, they just announced the buying and uh, Overwatch is already uh, celebrating the buying with the uh, uh, skin uh, for the Soldier 76 uh, and it's the Halo. Yeah. They, 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 need to, they need to put Pitfall. They need to like remaster Pitfall. The time is now. <laughs> Bring back Pitfall. Which I learned the other day that like nobody knows exists or that Activision made it, but... <laughs> How? I didn't know it was up by Activision, but I, I played it a lot back in the day. Activision was the first third-party publisher. Like, period. And they published games on Atari. Yeah, and how do people I, not know Pitfall? To... I'm shocked. I, we are old. Yeah, That's I know, but still. Silly, have you heard of Pitfall? <laughs> no. There you go. Of course Safe. not. <laughs> I shouldn't uh, be surprised. <laughs> it's it's basically it's it's like the first Indiana Jones game. Kind of. I mean to be fair, Pitfall is also not not great. You know. It's not. The controls are so bad. Yeah. But like as an example, like the, the new Call of Duty, Call of Duty Vanguard, um, which by the way, didn't do very well. Um very few people bought it and the people who did didn't like it. Um has pitfall in it you can play pitfall in call of duty vanguard because that game has like kind of not it's not a hub levels it has like a home base that you can walk around and there's a an old crt and an atari plugged into it and pitfall is one of the games that you can play on that and the 
the sad part is, is the emulation is so bad, it's actually unplayable. Um, the, 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 the little, um, creatures that move around at the bottom of the screen that fight with you, like, glitch out and don't work properly and don't path correctly and don't move at the right ways. So it's actually impossible to beat it. And so it's just like, like Activision Blizzard has been like trying to do stuff with their old IPs and failing horribly with it. And I, I don't want to like make Microsoft look like good guys here because I think monopolies are terrifying, yeah, but that's that a too. different subject. I, I don't want to say that they, they're, they're the good guys here, but they it is... Uh, profitable for them to care about video games right now because just with the way game pass works the, the the more that they cater to people who play games on pc the 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 like that the age category of people who are playing games on pc right now is what like 25 to 34 or something on average um we remember those old games and we want those games back and they know that if they provide that, we'll buy it. I mean, the, the Spiral Remaster is like a perfectly good example of, of that. Um, and I I just, I, I hope that they they dig into some of those old IPs and give them to people who can do cool things with them. Because like, I, I'm terrified of large corporations and I'm going to be honest about that. But I, I, I think that a world where people are able to do things that want to do things with those old IPs um, could probably just be a net positive for the industry, at, at least in the short term. And assuming you e eject Bobby Kotick and shoot him into the sun or something equivalent, or just give him his millions and tell him to go away. Um, like, as long as we can just get past that, and um, assuming this doesn't completely stifle out, uh, like, Raven Software's uni unionization efforts and um, Blizzard's similar situation, um, which I'm kind of worried it will, but assuming that doesn't get completely stomped out of existence, I, I think that, in, at least in the short term, this this could be a, a, a positive. It's definitely going to be a positive for the consumers, I think. Um, I I don't know about the working conditions. I, I hope it gets better, and they do some housekeeping at Blizzard, and kick out all the people that need they, that they need to kick out. Am I... Am I you know, certain that they will? No. Am I hopeful? Yes. And I really, really hope it, you know, that's what happens. Um, but I do agree. Ultimately, I think for the consumer, like the, the game, the potential, there's a potential that we see really, really, really awesome games coming out of this in the next five to 10 years is very big. One other thing worth noting um, is Facebook also had an offer on the table uh, to 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 buy Activision Blizzard King. Um, Shoutouts to a uh, Games Radar for that article, but uh, I think that uh, see that would have been would've... the darkest timeline. Yeah, yeah indeed. Like <laughs> I much prefer this uh, this purchase instead. Of... Yeah, I mean pe people seem pretty happy with Oculus stuff. I I don't pay a huge amount of attention to that because I I don't do VR stuff, but people seem to like Oculus. At least the people that are in that ecosystem. Yeah, um, have you not heard? They're they're discontinuing but... that though, and it's entirely. It's really weird what's happening with it, and there's like weird stuff because yeah. where you had to have like a. A Facebook account, but now you don't. But now you can like I don't know. It's really weird. I I'm not into it. I thought they were discontinuing one model, not the entire thing. But 
I don't maybe, know. Maybe it's I it's something messy. There. I think I'm not I'm not in the VR space because I'm pretty sure I would just get absolutely ultimately sick. So I, it's only on like mm-hmm. you know I, I I'm only informed on the periphery, but like it's messy, for sure. Yeah, it feels one of those like big corporation buying a new tech uh, and they didn't really know what to do with it uh, with it, and then they just bounced around and tried a few different things and then just sell it off or uh, just discontinue it. Uh. Strange. I, I don't know. I, I would think that Facebook would be doubling down on that because of their uh, addiction to the term metaverse. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, that that could have that that could have happened. Um, so at the very least, I think that we can all agree that yay, that's a positive thing that that's not happening. But um, as big of a story as that is, I we we do actually have some other news topics to talk about here. So uh, I, does anybody want to take the uh, the, the 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 big adventure uh, Steam sure. event? Yeah, so there's a event going on. It's a smaller event on Steam, um, but it's currently happening. When you when this podcast is out, it's only gonna have like a day and a half left or so because it runs until January twenty fourth. But it's called the Big Adventure Event, and it has some demos. It has some games that are on sale, and it's just all about adventure games. So there's a lot of uh, RPGs, a lot of point and click games. Lots of story games. There's some horror in there. It's a good variety. Um, and I personally have like looked through it, and I've played a lot of the demos because I tend to kind of stalk the events on Steam that have demos in them. I don't know why. I just kind of enjoy playing the demos. And so I've played a lot of them, but um, I am going to be checking out Endling, which is where you play as, like this little cute fox. Uh, and then Rosewater, which is a Western RPG, and then A Space for the Unbound. I tried to play the demo of it a while back, but it was broken. So I'm hoping it works now, because it looks really cool. And then I know that there's a demo out for Beacon Pines. I've already played that demo, but that game is, like, the demo for it is so good. So, yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just looking at the the some of the games that are in here and I'm seeing this game called The Drifter, which is one of the games that has a demo. This has a really nice aesthetic. Might need to oh yeah, they have out. like an entire um, retro inspired section. Yeah, no, uh, this this looks cool. So yeah, go check out some demos. Go play some demos. And yeah, maybe we'll have some more to talk about in that regard later. I'll do. I'll te- I'll probably check out some on the weekend. Kind of a, a side note on these events, though. Um, these events, to me, are, are proof that we don't need conventions. Yep. Just kind of at all. I mean, I I think that the, you know, the state of the world and uh, conventions are something that's going to probably be a reoccurring thing that I bring up on this podcast. But, like, we, like, I, as valuable as it is to be able to meet with developers face-to-face and talk with people, I think that we are moving past the world where, in order to make sure that your game sells, you need to be there. Um, I, I'm not sure if this is better for devs or not. I, I, I need to. I think it's going to start becoming a thing that I bring up in my interviews more and more when I talk with people about like how valuable do you think that this is versus that. Like I, I I'd be really curious to know. But at least from my uh, perspective, it seems like this is replacing the need for that in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I've seen a little bit about that on Twitter actually. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently it's pretty bad for discoverability if you're not one of the top games in them. However, this event is a little different since it's by, I believe it's a publisher, Mm. um, is actually hosting it. But usually, like, Steam does their, you know, autumn event, their winter event, what have you. And in those, if you're not one of the featured games or you don't have really good 
hits on the wish list ratio and all that, it can be pretty hard to get seen at all. Yeah. Yeah, because this so. this one's being run by 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 HitSense. Um, but then reading it. So. But then I would also imagine though that if you're one of those smaller devs, getting to a convention is probably also not really on the table. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah like, that's at, fair. At, at PAX, at the very least, like they would always have like you know you'd have the big booths and like those are really easy. Like finding the super giant booth is super easy. You walk into the game like into the onto one of the floors and it's boom, super giant. But like even like like there's the indie mega booth, which is just like a, was always just a whole bunch of smaller games. But there were there was another smaller booth than the indie mega booth. Next to the indie mega booth were like really small games like set up for a day. And like as an example, there was uh, the first day at PAX West 2019, which was the last PAX West I went to. Uh, the developer for Nova Drift was there. I never saw it. I never knew it was there and found out that it was there three days later after they'd left because they were only at that spot the first day with their game playable. And that game is like kind of super successful now because of like streamers and mm. uh, YouTube marketing and like clever social media. But it no, Nova Drift, like uh, if I like talking to them, they said that, yeah, that they, they're the only reason they were there really was to just say hi to some people. And it was like a, a paid trip, basically. Like, aside from that, for their game, it was kind of a waste of time. So I think like there's benefits and negatives on both sides. Like in this, you're competing in algorithms, which sucks. Like nobody loves fighting for followers and nobody loves uh, fighting for wish lists. But I mean, we all know how that is. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. F like flying around mm -hmm. the world to like hope somebody comes by. Like, Jupiter Hell is a, a game that I bring up a lot, right? And um, uh, Cornell, the developer of that, stated that I was one of two streamers that he talked to in the during the entirety of PAX East, and he had a booth at PAX East, and um, I was the only one who actually streamed it out of those two. And mm -hmm. I didn't find them yeah, until the last day. It depends a lot how the booths are like done uh, in, in the conventions. Like uh, I go to games, or have been going to Gamescom, I guess. Uh, several years in a row and uh, they have this uh, indie booth arena where uh, or indie arena booth um, where they have like all the indie games in one clump and i think those are doing much better since uh, you you go to one location and you just hit all the uh, indie games in there at the same time but uh, obviously uh, having like easier online thing you can do uh, is much better for uh, especially uh, developers from like a income countries that don't have that high income for example flying to like us or europe uh, and then having a booth that costs uh, thousands and thousands and thousands is like insane money for them uh. yeah i mean it's insane money to any small developer already but uh, for a smaller uh, income country so it's just uh, something that is just not possible mm. yeah i think um there's a lot I, I know a lot of um indie devs know this but honestly reach out to streamers and don't just reach out to streamers that have thousands of viewers if you can get a dedicated following going of like smaller streamers that say 10 to 50 viewers but they keep the category alive and they you know keep streaming your game and that sort of stuff that is worth a lot don't disregard those people i know a lot of people tend to because they're like well i'm gonna just you know, give it to that guy who's going to, who's going to play it for two hours for 10,000 viewers, but that's not going to necessarily create a community for your game. So, uh, you know, go, go, go reach out and talk to people. Yeah. So this was added to our document kind of at last minute, but uh, Google Play Games coming to PC, question mark? 
Yeah, so this kind of poked me in the eye while I was looking at the uh, Activision Blizzard thing. Uh, um, so this was actually announced uh, in one of the Game of Art shows uh, earlier already. Uh, so that uh, um, it's called Google Play Games, and it's a uh, basically there is already like emulators and stuff you can play Android games on on PC, and they're actually pretty competent. But this is basically Google's own uh, like a native uh, supporter uh, to play. Um, any well, not any, but like most of the Android games that are available in Play Store, you can just play on PC, and I think it's like a really great uh, way to. It's awesome. Like unify the whole thing, like like it, it's gonna be really great for small developers as well. Like some uh, can put their game on on the Google thing, and you can still play it on PC as well. You don't need to make two separate games, uh, basically, and you don't need to uh, make it for both platforms. You can just do it on Android and then you can play it on PC as well through this. Also, um, and this is something that was mentioned in that article, like in a, like a little side note. Um, you can play both on PC and um, mobile and uh, they share save files, save data. So progress straight yeah, So you can just switch between. Account, so you can, uh, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at home, but I want to play this. So you can just play it on the computer. And then if you're on the go, you can play it on the phone. And honestly, um, I have to say, I'm really excited about this because I don't have to use sketchy third-party apps anymore to play that yeah, stuff. Exactly. And and I can do it on my computer because I don't really play games on my phone. Um, but having this... And then we can also stream Yeah, them. and it kind of makes, makes it so much easier to stream them too because you don't have to use any sketchy things and... I'm actually really excited. Like there are some really good mobile games out there, but I just don't play them because I don't play on phone yeah. because it's too small. Yeah, I've been talking with my community as well that we want to play some uh, mobile games, uh, and I've, I've been looking into the emulators and all of that. And it's like, eh. and then I saw this one, and I, I'm definitely going to be playing a bunch. Oh, of yeah, absolutely, yeah. Games that are available there. I have like problems with eye strain, and so when I stare at my phone for too long, like I actually it will kind of hurt my eyes. And I won't be able to see super well. So having this where I can look at a bigger screen would be nice too if I do find a mobile game I want to play. Yeah, and you don't have to constantly look down and hurt your neck. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, mobile games are something I play if I'm traveling mm. or I'm, I'm not basically at home. But with the, with the current situation, I'm, I'm basically yeah. always at home. I'm not going anywhere. So I, I, I do my gaming yep. on PC. I, I, I guess all of us play already enough games uh, during streaming and everything on our PC, so I don't really want to play uh, stuff on uh, like my yeah. mobile phones or anything when oh. I'm out away from the PC. Also, big plus, mouse and keyboard support. Also awesome. Yes, that's going to be great. Um, so also in this uh, same same thing as I was looking into it, uh, so Google has a, a new Google Play Pass. So it's basically Game Pass, the Xbox Game Pass, but for uh, Android, oh, like the uh, so Apple, get, uh, Apple also has one where where you can it's yeah like five so bucks look, a month I think. Looks like other companies are also starting to do these kind of Game Pass things for their uh, stores, uh, so you can just uh, get a bunch of games uh, with a monthly subscription. I think it's like five euros for dollars uh, for the Google Play, and uh, I saw there was like Stardew Valley and uh, some actually really good indie games that are on PC as well. Yeah, there's just just kind of talking about the state of games for a second here. There there was a quote that I, I saw. I want to say it was a. Uh, a Jeff Gerstmann quote, but I could, I might be mistaken here, um, about in like currently, you know, when, when we're talking about games, you talk about PC, you talk about Nintendo, you talk about Sony and you talk about Xbox, right? I think in like five, 10 years, it's not going to be Sony. Uh, Xbox. It's going to be Apple for the Apple arcade stuff. It's going to be Google 
for the Google Play and I guess Stadio or whatever they end up doing with that marketplace. It's going to be Valve, Steam, and it's going to be Microsoft. I like currently Sony is still huge, um, but I could very much see their market share or their market dominance, at least with the way things are going, shrinking in the future if they don't compete with this. Yeah, I guess their uh, com- way to compete currently is uh, like exclusives. Uh, I mean, especially they already with, have uh, PlayStation Plus. Uh, so they, they they've do. had that for a while. Yeah, that's kind of a different service, right? And also it's exclusive to their platform, right? And all of a lot of these services are becoming more and more platform agnostic, right? Yeah. Like you can get you can get uh, Apple Arcade on any Apple device, right? Which is like silly for anybody who's not in that ecosystem, but like if you're in that ecosystem, suddenly like you have Apple Arcade on your smart TV, you have Apple Arcade on your phone and you have Apple Arcade on your computer, right? Um for for us in in kind of more like the Windows centric PC gaming space or maybe Linux, um, Steam exists right where you can buy games a la carte, and then there's Game Pass, right? Um, and then also you know Epic and I I I do feel they also like have the Ubisofts and Origin have their own mm-hmm. subscription. Yeah, well. EA Play has that. Um, I I, I do feel like. Which is part of the, Game Pass or Steam, so you know yeah, there's already crossover the, happening. It's really, yeah. Everything is becoming more and more connected in that way. And currently, Sony and Nintendo, which is they're they're their own thing. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> but like Sony is competing with the the mainstream gaming space. Like Nintendo kind of is off in the corner doing Nintendo things, but out... yeah, they have so much of their yeah. own IPs that they can just do their own. Yeah, thing. and Microsoft would like to put. Uh, and pro- and that those conversations are happening. Like Microsoft wants to put Game Pass onto Nintendo platforms, and maybe that'll happen in ten years. Um, I doubt that'll happen anytime soon, but like that is a conversation that's happening, right? So uh, there there is a world where Sony is kind of the uh, the odd duck, right? Um, Sony. I, I don't really know what their plans going forward are, but I mean, currently they are still on top of the world, right? And their games sell just fine. Yeah. And, um, but. I'm really curious to see what the next five years. Sony like just needs to stop waiting a bajillion years before they put their games on PC, because like, look at Days Gone, right? Days Gone like sold amazingly on PC. It was a really good game. I talked about it last episode as well. It's and and but because it had kind of a shitty start on PlayStation. Oh, there's the swear for this episode. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's your one. <laughs> Um, uh, because it had a bad start, uh, like you know, a bad time on on PlayStation. We're probably never going to see a sequel to it, but on PC, yeah. it did really well. And if they would not like wait around that long to to push their the games to PC, or not even pushing, it yeah, all or not pushing at all, ex- just purely exclusive, or like uh, for example, Bloodborne. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, good luck with that one. Insanely yeah. well, good. with the whole in Elden Ring coming out uh, next month. Uh, Bloodborne would sell Absolutely, extremely yeah. well, and they're making a second sequel to yeah. it as well, which is probably going to be also PlayStation. Yeah, they're also allegedly working on a new uh, Armored Core, yep. which there's comments about that coming out and screenshots that apparently exist. I mean, the thing, yeah, the thing is just like, how easy is it right now? And that's you know, sort of being sarcastic here, to get the console. 
it's like even um, if people wanted to play, you know, <laughs> Hold on. PlayStation games PlayStation or Xbox games. Let me go look that up. Um, but but you can't really get PlayStation Five now. Even I know they started reproducing yeah, exactly. or, That's or, the problem. Uh, increasing the production of PlayStation Fours because they cannot make PlayStation Five. So yeah. So you have a console that you, nobody can yeah, exactly. buy so, and or play yeah. anything so on it. I can get one PC. used for eleven hundred dollars. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just buy a. Easy. Yeah, exactly. So just, just, just get off the high horse and just admit, yeah, PC. You know, we should put our game, all of our games on there, and we should do it soon. I can buy a controller. Because there, there is a market <laughs> for a PS5 it. Controller. Like everything that they've put on PC after it was on PlayStation has done so well. I mean, like Death Stranding, the Uncharted series, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Detroit, uh, Detroit become human. human. Days Gone, like everything, which was amazing. Like yeah, yeah. Like same with Horizon Zero, uh, you know, Zero Dawn or yeah. Death Stranding. They were all amazing. And just get off that, get off the horse. Just, just, just be accessible. It's gonna be a weird couple of years in games, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I can't wait to see where things go. Um, now I have a, a very serious soul searching question for us. Who wrote Twitter NFT profile pictures on here? And do we really want to talk about it? I wrote it and I was just, I don't know. I don't think it really needs to be talked about. Okay. It's just like an interesting thing, you know? Shoot. I, I'd, I'd like to hear your take. Okay. So um, it's just interesting, right? Because um, I think it's kind of good for everybody in a weird way. Kind of. I mean, Tells not me who fully, to block on Twitter. But... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're against NFTs, so 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 for which those I am, for, so for those of you who who don't know, Twitter uh, has a feature now where if you have an NFT um, profile picture, like say a board ape yacht club uh, or some other uh, delinquency, uh, you could, if you wanted to, uh, put a "I am stupid" sticker on your forehead and make it into a little uh, like uh, instead of a circle, a little hexagony shape, um, and so that everybody immediately knows that you are a verified legit nft um uh, i'm trying not to be too insulting here um yeah well <laughs> it, it allows people to like talk with those and like avoid those who aren't what like because it's so polarizing right the I, and I, I mean, obviously, there's a correct side and there's a wrong side, and I'm not gonna do <laughs> it. But all that all that the feature but... does is it allows you to link your wallet, which holds your NFT receipt, um, and tag it to your image, and then people can see that it's an NFT. However, it doesn't matter if it's a legitimate NFT. You could right-click, copy, paste somebody else's legitimate NFT, right? From let's just say Board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, mint it as your own NFT, put it into your own wallet, and use it as your uh, icon. And then, boom, you have an NFT of this. Of course, then, the person who owns the original of that NFT could theoretically go after you, but they'd have to find you first. So I'm not saying that everybody should just go take NFTs and mint them and make them into your icons just to point fingers and laugh at people, but people have already done that, and it's kind of mm. funny. Um, I... I don't hate this stuff, I think, as much as a lot of people do, but I think every single implementation we've seen of it is just incredibly silly, and this just kind of, like, hammers that point home for me. I actually saw an interesting one that was, like, I was, like, I'm very much against them, but uh, this one was actually kind of, like, a 
Okay, I kind of understand that one. So there's this uh, a fantasy game of football called uh, Sorare, which uh, allows you to like buy and sell and trade virtual team members, kind of like a digital um, like a cards. Uh, like there's that whole old market of uh, baseball cards and footballer cards and so on. On that, sure. so they they've made a, a basically that, but into a, a video game, and they they've been uh, raising some. Crazy amounts of money, and they were valued at four point three billion. Jeez! Um, I mean, do you see how much money uh, Peter Molyneux made selling virtual land? Yes, there is. There is obviously like huge money moving into this. Uh, and uh, this was like, you know, like a, I can, I kind of like I, I don't really understand why people buy this. But as a like a, if you're buying into that whole like uh, um, like baseball cards and all that, uh, that's like a whole world of uh, weirdness on its own. Uh, but uh, it kind of makes sense with, with the NFTs as uh, like a virtual version of that. But in, in uh, anything else, uh, I don't really understand why you would uh, put this. Like to give you. But they have a uh, like huge uh, like they have licensed uh, was like 150 clubs uh, like actual football clubs and they actually have like all these connections uh, as well. I for all real players and everything. To, to, they, they, I was looking at buying Slipknot tickets for April a couple of days ago. Um, and I've, I, I don't think I'm going to, they're too expensive. And like the, the state of the world right now is like, maybe I don't want to go to a big concert in April. Um, but Ticketmaster is doing a thing now where every time you buy a ticket, you get a virtual ticket stub, which is an NFT. Um, and it's on a very green blockchain. So I'm not worried about like the environmental impact of this, but it's funny because it's linked to your profile and you can move it to, to a crypto wallet if you wanted to. Um, and then you could sell old tickets for concerts. Like I, I could kind of see where someone would like attribute a uh, silly value for some reason to that sort of thing. Cause people do collect concert tickets and concert stubs anyway. Like it is something that people do, but the funny thing is, um, <laughs> there are fees to transfer it from one person to another, right? Like you, you, it's, it's difficult to just give it, give somebody, uh, an NFT. Um, and me, the way me and my friends buy tickets is I'll buy six. And then my friends will pay me in cash later or they'll buy me beer or, or whatever. Or um, I'll buy two if it's me and my friend Kevin going or three if it's me and my friend Kevin and somebody else going to a show. And so what's going to end up happening is I'm going to end up with like multiples <laughs> of these things. So like for me, like the, the, the marketplace isn't even going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to accept any of them because I, I just I, I don't collect concert ticket stubs anyway. So it's, it's like a non-starter for me. So I'll just like if you just don't sign up, then you just never get it. It's fine. But it's like. The fact that they're doing that, it's like, even if I was to participate in it, it would be a flawed model just from the get-go because of the fact that, like, I'd have to, like, send this ticket to somebody else and then, nah, I don't know. It's it's a mess. Yeah, it's a, it's really weird. Uh, like, I understand, like, real collecting, like, real items and all of that because you have the item and then, then it's going to last uh, basically forever as long as you take care of it uh, and then you can sell it and move it around. But these uh, like virtual things are they're all tied to like single service uh, like a single game or yeah. wherever and they're not really movable between the things and uh, i don't think these uh especially like this football game or uh, any of the yeah ubisoft things or any any of these other ones uh, they don't really have the um, that same lasting in power yeah um they might be around like couple years four years five years but what what after that is it gonna be 10 years 20 years fun technology will move on and that's that's just gone basically fun, fun little tidbit for the uh twitter nft thing is the the nfts for the twitter profile pictures are hosted on um OpenSea, which is one of the most popular nft marketplaces and uh open actually went down for about an hour the other day um and uh 
everybody's Twitter profile pictures vanished. So just, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> like, that's, like, and OpenSea goes down a lot. Like there, a couple of days ago, I was trying to show somebody something on, on OpenSea because I thought it was funny. It was a, a, YouTube, a bunch of YouTubers got screenshots taken of their likenesses and were sold as NFTs illegitimately. Um, anyway, uh, so, so maybe like check OpenSea occasionally if you're a content creator to make sure nobody's selling you. Um, but like when OpenSea goes down and it does pretty frequently, all of those icons disappear. So where'd your monkeys go now? <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's like our NFT ballot for the day. Um, so I, I think we're just going to, we're going to jump into our audience interaction segment now unless anybody else really wants to talk about nfts no i'm good we we can we can move on okay <laughs> um so uh we, we we do we do have a room on the halcyon frequency discord uh called podcast questions where for this segment of the show you can uh, drop a question in there uh it doesn't need to be about anything in particular it can be about anything you want really it's like i don't know maybe keep it safe for work um so uh we've, we've got a few questions uh and uh the, the first one here is from well i, I mean do, do i need to read these or does somebody else want to read these because i I can read them. It, it doesn't really matter. I read them? Okay. Yeah, please uh, read them. So the first one comes in from uh, Cutest Ghost, and they say, uh, Dwarf Fortress streams when? So um, Dwarf Fortress streams when? When the PC version is Steam, already. yeah. It's when already it's on, on Steam. PC. I mean, the, the Steam. Steam version, not PC. <laughs> yeah, Steam version, Steam. yes. Give me Same. the Steam version. Maybe when Steam version. Okay. Um, Maybe. Uh, actually, here, let, I, I've got a way to do this. Everybody pop up the, the, the questions thing, and uh, we, we can, like, pass them around. So, uh, Sui, c could you read uh, this this question here from your, your, your best friend and partner in crime, uh, Arch Plays Stuff? <laughs> my mod on my stream, yeah. So, Arch Plays Stuff asks, what game from your past would you have loved to stream at launch? Um, I guess I'll go first. For me personally, it would be either Minecraft or Stardew Valley. I played both those games to death before I was a streamer. So I can't really go back to them because I've already like gotten as much as I can out of them. And now if I touch them, I'm just like, Neh. but I loved them so much. And it, I wish I could have experienced it with my community. I've got one. Honestly, I think um, I have to. Sorry, I'm just jumping in there because I, I just have to say. I, I had a really hard time deciding, but I think now what Sui said, that's actually a good point. Minecraft, same. I'm at the point where I look at Minecraft and my, my body just goes, no, I'm good. But that's because I've played it for thousands of hours. Yeah. And yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Like the discovery of Minecraft and like the... I, I mean, like, we're in, like, what, the, the fourth, fifth renaissance of Minecraft now? But, like, yeah. Experiencing the original heyday of Minecraft. That would have been cool, I think. Minecraft is the game that really got me into PC gaming. I mean, I played games back on, like, iWin and Flash games and that sort of thing way back when. And then I played Facebook games a bit, too, when I was definitely old enough to play them. <laughs> um, and, like, Minecraft was the first, like, legit, you know, felt like a proper gamer game that I played, <laughs> you know? So. So for me, I'm going to contort this question a little bit because this game obviously didn't come out when streaming services even existed um, and I didn't get to play it at launch. I didn't play it until like the mid 2000s, but Dungeon Keeper 
Mm, um, I wish game. streaming services existed. Yeah, same same with a lot of these old games. Yeah. Uh, like I games, uh, my discovery of Dungeon Keeper was like the biggest galaxy brain moment I think I had as a kid playing games. Um, I played it like because it, it came out in the nineties, and I played it in I don't know two thousand eight, <laughs> two thousand seven, it maybe I don't know what year. Uh, some somewhere between like two thousand four and two thousand nine is when I played it, and it's like that was like a, a mind blown level on multiple levels. Um, and just kind of the, the sheer enjoyment of realizing, oh, I can take control of my minions and like building the little dungeons and being evil and pretending to just be an evil wizard, just like taking over and polluting the realms with like my horrible evil scourge of of disgusting villainy. Like it, it was great times, and I I miss that, and I, I I wish that I that that game existed when streaming platforms existed. Once I was you know streaming instead of like you know when people say Dungeon Keeper now, a lot of people just think of the, the mobile game that was put out that was uh legendary for being horrible so yeah there's a lot of games from like that whole same era that would be amazing to first time streamer on a, on a streamer uh like all the old x xcoms all the sim cities and all, all all of these are like a really amazing old games uh, like i would love to play them on launch uh, on a stream so uh fg do you want to read this question from jess yeah, sure. Um, whoa, underscore Jess, I think is what the name is. <laughs> From the Who's that? Stream I think team. I've heard the name somewhere. Halkion Frequency, okay. <laughs> no. Hykalon, I think is how you say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, Jess, Jess actually came up with a question as well. Uh, and that is, what is your guilty pleasure game that you hate to admit to but you can't give up. That's a good question. I would say, if I wouldn't just say, I play X game and I don't care what you say because I enjoy it. Um, so uh, maybe somebody else has a good answer to that because I don't. I've seen you guys play all the cookie clicker, clicker games say... on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, for FD, I would say all the idle games you play. Come on. Yeah, but the thing is, that is that is that is a guilty pleasure. That is that is, it's not a guilty pleasure though, because I don't hate to admit that I enjoy them. I just play them. That's the thing. Like I I've talked about them so much that my community literally enables me now to play these games and gifts these games to me. So it's not a guilty pleasure. That's the thing, for me. I got one. Fishing simulator. <laughs> I love fishing sims. I love fishing games. I've been playing, like, I remember, like, playing Sega Bass Fisher. Got a friend of mine's house <laughs> years ago. Um, I, I love fishing games. Um, and I, I, I play Russian fishing. Um, and I, I play Ultimate Fishing Simulator. Um, I like fishing games. What? That's, that's me. Yeah, but do you hate to admit that really? Like yeah, a, that's kind the thing, of. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Okay. Because they're all terrible. That's the thing. Is there is, <laughs> like, I love fishing games, but I've never played a like, actually, except for maybe like ridiculous fishing, the early Vlambeer title. Outside of ridiculous fishing, I don't think I've ever actually played a good fishing game, and that is so like that's an arcade game. It's not really a mm. fishing game, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a game sim. on your phone, and it's a, it's a, yeah, it's it's not a sim, but like I've never actually played a an ab abjectly good 
sold product that is a fishing game. Like the most popular fishing games are both free to play, uh, which is Russian fishing and uh, something fishing, something, something. I don't, I didn't play the other one. Uh, but like, it, it, even those aren't good. Like their physics break. Um, they are extremely buggy. Like they, they suffer from like the worst problems that farming simulator does. And like, I have this problem, especially with Ultimate Fishing Simulator, where, like, nobody bought half of the DLC. So, like, you know, some of us like to show achievements on our, like, Steam profiles, right? And, like, I have these a couple extremely rare achievements in this game um, just because nobody bought the DLC for it for, like, I'm like at this uh, copperhead butterfly fish. And I want it gone, but I... I, uh, because I have it set to the rarest achievements, it's like I have to find rarer achievements now than that to make it go away. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, it's 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 uh, I hate it, but I love it. Um, if I can alter the question a little to like my guilty pleasure thing, because I don't play any games guilty pleasure, right? If anything, I'd say Final Fantasy fourteen online, but like I'm very outwardly addicted to that game. Um, I would say it's going on Netflix and watching any like magic related show, like uh, teen drama magic, <laughs> witches or fairies type thing. I just, I really enjoy series like that. They're all terrible, or most of them are terrible, but I really enjoy them anyway. Okay, I have a guilty pleasure like that, too. I enjoy terrible, cheesy, made-for-TV, um, like, disaster movies. Not oh. not like the super duper over the top ones, like you know, Zombievers or something like that. Not those ones, but like not Birdemic. Yeah, no, exactly, no, no, <laughs> not that. But it's like it's like you remember, you know, everybody remembers Twister, right? Oh yeah, oh and yeah. Then there is oh, yeah. Twisters, which is good. like a made for TV, you know, Twister movie, like those type of movies. Like they're 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 not like. Yeah, 2020 and uh, all of that. They're not, like, terrible. Terrible. Like, you know, like, oh, my God, like, ugh. Or they're, like, not over-the-top terrible, like Sharknado, but they're definitely not movie quality or anything like that. I enjoy watching those. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I have a guilty pleasure of uh, getting to YouTube, and I get into, like, some kind of topic, and then I just watch like seven years of videos uh, <laughs> from one channel for that one topic uh, like i've been i've been watching tri channel like uh, religiously mm. and i've gone through all that then i watched a uh, sorted food uh, usually it's like food related <laughs> things uh i've watched like every single episode of that and just like go like through a whole channel and then like what what do what, what, what's next oh this channel it's five years of content mm. <laughs> I, I i have a content related guilty pleasure as well i like um really bad reality tv like i i love pawn stars um i I love all all of that like uh, american pickers but i also like all of the car i love those like repairing shows um and actually like on that topic i found a a youtuber pretty recently um I, i can't remember the name of the channel but they have this show called synth wizards and it's just the, these two guys in the States or the, 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 the small company in the States that repairs synthesizers, right? And they're kind of legendary in the music scene for like, like they, they built all of the synthesizers that um, like, uh, why am I blanking on the name of the band now that uh, Coldplay uses? Um, and like they, they have a bunch of like connections in, in the music industry like that. Um, but uh, they, 
the the show is it's fit it's like just this dad's like vlogging channel basically but it's presented and edited like a 20 minute long reality tv show and it's just like so we went out on this day to go collect this synthesizer from toby's backyard and it's broken but we're gonna fix it and it's that kind of stuff and it's like i could just like <laughs> eat this content for years uh a show on netflix that i adored is uh rust valley restorers um, it's a, it's a car restoring show and it takes place in Rust Valley, which is just north, north of Hope, BC. I've been there. I've seen those types of people that are in that show and they set a car engine on fire with gasoline in the first episode. <laughs> Best entertainment on TV. I just stupid. And I love it. Yeah. Also on YouTube, if you like uh, stuff like American Pickers, there's uh, several of these, uh, like, uh, channels where, uh, they go to like flea markets and yard sales and kind of do the same kind of picking, uh, uh, and it's a lot, a lot of like, geeky stuff and games and uh, all of that. And it, those are really amazing to watch if, if you want like a like, Topeka kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Just like a Flea Market Madness by Pat the NES Punk. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a good show. That's a good yeah. one, yeah. It's Flea Market Madness. Anyway, enough of uh, <laughs> sh- shouting out uh, friends of the show. Do we have any other questions in here? <laughs> um, uh, Diligent Goo's got one that uh, Bellinair could read. Um, how did you guys meet, and why did you decide to form the team? And I, I guess that's uh, for you and uh, Blind and uh, FG more than yeah. the yeah. rest of yep. us. I mean, we could talk about how we all met, like, individually, too. True. Yeah. FG, do you want to take this one, or should I? I mean, honestly, I, like, thought about this. And I know we met in the Green Man Gaming community Discord. Directly, yes. But I knew about you already before. Yeah, then. same, same. But that's where, like, that's what that was like the online space where we interacted, right, the most. Yeah, first. Um, yeah. When? So, how did we come hmm. up with this idea, though? I I can't remember. <laughs> I uh, so uh, I mean, I've been streaming, and uh, I think I think we've all been, or, or all of us except for maybe Sui here, have been streaming for kind of a very long time, or at least started like when Twitch was kind of in its infancy, right? Um, and as time progressed, I ended up in a number of different teams. Um, a lot of them huge, uh, me and Bellinair actually ended up in one team called the sovereignty for a bit, which, uh, folded when the founder went to go work for paradox. Um, and a lot of, um, those teams were either borderline pyramid schemes or just like massive friends lists really um and i always kind of envied the smaller like core teams of people that build a thing and do a thing with the thing that they've built um i always envied that um there were i i flirted with the idea with a youtube channel with a bunch of youtubers that i knew for a bit and that kind of fell apart uh one of the members of that team was fog who uh did all of the branding for halcyon frequency so all of the art that you see on halcyon frequency related things was done by fog so shout outs to him um but uh I always wanted to kind of do that. And um, in the Green Man Gaming Discord, I like I'd known about FG for a while. Like I, I'd been streaming RimWorld for a while and I remember seeing FG streaming RimWorld. Same with like uh, Oxygen Not Included in other games. Um, and I, I seemed, I recall your name before you went on break and then you went on break for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing you pop back up. I want to say I followed I followed you at that point too. I think I unfollowed you when you were on your break and then refollowed you after. Um, and... We just kind of got to talking, and at the time, um, Green Man Gaming was trying to do something with this Discord and like thing of partners that they had and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
and they, they actually did some neat things for a little bit. They got a bunch of us like volunteering to like make little videos for the YouTube channel and they, they did some things for a little bit there. In fact, if you go to the Green Man Gaming YouTube channel and you dig, you might find a video or two by me. But um, the, there's, there was a lot of frustrations in there. Um, and it became very quick that like people on there were complaining and people started leaving uh, because like Green Man Gaming, bless them, they, they are not very organized as a company. Um, and they are notorious for just like having a bunch of neat ideas and committing to them for like three weeks and then forgetting that they committed to any of them. Um, and, uh, me and FG just started talking at a point and, uh, I think I just threw out the idea that like, I just want to start a small, small team, like maybe like 10 people max. Um, and then the idea just started bouncing off from there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we... Yeah. Yeah. Basically that. Cause there was, there was so much happening there. There were a lot of, at the time there were, there were this like core group of people that were like very, very, very active and, yeah. um, very supportive of each other as well. Like I still like talk with people from that, mm -hmm. uh, community quite regularly, like, uh, Kazat, for example, uh, Kiska, I see, um, A's around, um, uh, and oh God, I'm, I'm God, I'm blanking. I remember Drogoth. Yes, um, I'm also blanking on the name. They're still around. Oh my god. Um, Switched to Mixer for a bit, but came back. Yeah, no, but anyways, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people there that, um, you know, they were really active and really supportive, and uh, we we all we just, just kind of wanted to do that. We, I guess maybe. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to, like we wanted like the, they all we all wanted to do something, and it was unfortunately just not that place like there were ideas because i remember like i because because i got affiliated with gmg back in the day like back 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 in the day in like 2015 where mm -hmm. um people would actually regularly stream on the gmg channel like i streamed on the gmg channel for quite a while like you know weekly there were shows and I, there's a lot of other like bigger streamers that did that as well and you know th there were a lot of really neat ideas and then that all kind of like slowly fell apart and that discord kind of just it's what happens when you don't pay people. <laughs> yeah, also... people realize they're getting used at a point. <laughs> yeah, not even just that. It's just, like, um, stuff just became worse and worse and worse, and just stuff slacked off more and more, and we kind of wanted to just have this group of people to, to help and support each other, and uh, we, we really all met. Like, we had this idea already, and uh, we were going to do it. And then, like, we found out the team. And then we met some more people at TwitchCon 2019, um, where yeah. a lot of us actually met for the first time. Like, I had met Bellana before um, and Kiri at the TwitchCon um, TwitchCon Europe. Yeah, Berlin. And then, um, yeah, half a year later. By that time, we had found out the team already. But half a year later, um, the other half, basically, of the team met. Like, Sui, uh, Evil Chick... Bryant was there. Um, Diadwarf was there at the time because, you know, he was mm -hmm. one of the very early members. Um, shout out to Dyer. Shout outs to Dyer. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it kind of just grew from there because we also, we realized yeah, it, we kind of vibed it, IRL together as well. And Jess was there also as well. So, yeah. Yeah. With the with the initial core group, it was it was Bellinair, FG, myself, and Kiri was kind of the original crew. I knew Bellinair, FG also knew Bellinair, and FG knew Kiri. So I didn't know Kiri until she joined the team. Um, yeah. And 
I think it was kind of funny when we announced the name initially because, like, I immediately got a. It was either a, like a, a. So he either added me or he DM'd me. I can't remember. It was cringer. It's just like, why did you come up with that name? Who <laughs> let <laughs> <laughs> you come up with that? I'm like, I didn't come up with that. He's like, that just sounded. It sounded like a band name, so I assume it was something you did. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, kind of, but uh, it's a good name. So yeah, it is a good name. Um, I know a lot of people also, um, like those of us who started streaming a bit. Late later did meet through the hot potato mm. at least that's how i met everyone in there yeah, true um it was kind of a thing that i devised and i had a person i was working on it with back then too um and i met a lot of people including fg including kiri including blind including pretty much the entire team through yep. it so yeah and then uh shortly i i guess after twitchcon we had like the, the we had the original team which was FG, myself, Evil Trick, Dire Dwarf, and Bellinar, um, and Bellinar, and then, uh, then then we am I forgetting somebody, or because like I'm counting on my hand and I'm like missing somebody. Anyway, anyway, um, and and then after TwitchCon ended, uh, we brought Suey on, um, because of like your work on the hot potato, um, that was kind of like, did I miss? Did I say Evil Trick? I thought I you I did. did. Yeah, anyway. that was yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and then we, we brought in Sui and that brought us up to seven. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not missing anybody. And then, then we brought in Sui and then we, I think I just didn't list myself. We brought in Sui and that brought us up to seven. And then, um, Jess joined uh, later. J Jess joined a little bit later because like, it was, it was kind of funny because people just thought Jess was part of the team for a while there. Yeah. They, even they though she wasn't. It was already, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Like people just assumed Jess was on the team. And then like that assumption just kind of became into a reality. We announced it on an after hours session, which by the way, we can talk about in a second. We got an after hours coming up. Um, and, uh, so, so, so we, we just had Jess on and then we literally we, we, we played Uno for like 30 minutes before like we did that. Has nobody like realized that Jess is here? <laughs> And nobody did. Jess nope. is on the team now, by the way. Uh, we, we were kind of hoping it would be like, oh my god, Jess is on the team. But like, it, it took it took a while for me yeah, to like, clue into that. That was, one, which funny, was funny, kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, then Jess joined, and then um, you know a little bit later, Dyer left because of uh, like just creative differences, and now here we are. Yep. It's been oh, almost getting close to three years. Which, Good lord, which is insane. Oh god. Yeah, we've. Uh, now we have a website and a, a podcast, which which means we are now, I don't know, something eternally linked, <laughs> something. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think anybody else want to say anything else on that topic? I, I think that's kind of the a brief history of a halcyon frequency. Yeah, right yeah, that kind of is it. I think, yeah. Uh, FG, you're you're hosting after hours. I, I am. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you're not familiar with us, we obviously all stream on Twitch. Um, you can find all the links on the HalcyonFrequency.com website uh, in case you're listening through one of the podcast apps or over on YouTube. Uh, we all stream on Twitch and every uh, every other week we do what we call Halcyon After Hours, which is kind of an informal game night. We play just multiplayer games, board games often, um, but not this time. Uh, this time, instead, we're doing RTS Monday on a Friday on Halcyon After Hours. Uh, <laughs> RTS Monday on a Friday on an after hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After Hours, RTS Monday on a Friday. Because um, we are playing some Age of Empires 4, and um, probably we're going to need some people from the community. So if you have um, Age of Empires 4, be on my 
Twitch channel, FG Squared. That's just the letters F and G and then the word squared uh, at 7 p.m. GMT on the 28th of January. Yeah, and um, it's also on Game Pass. So if you don't have Game Pass and you're willing to give corporations lots of money, um, usually they have a like a $1 deal where you can just like get Game Pass for a dollar and then just, you know, hop in and play. Um, it'll just be funsies. It'll, it'll be a good time. Um, but I, I think that kind of brings this episode of the Halcyon Frequency podcast kind of to a close. So let's let's start at the bottom of this call, skipping me uh, up to Bellin, and I'll go last. Of uh, like, Sui, where can where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitch. Uh, it's just Sui S U W E Y. Um, it's also just Sui on YouTube. Um, I have a Discord server as well. Um, you can find me in the Halcyon Frequency Discord server. And then you can find me on Twitter at SuiStreams. And FG? Yeah, um, you can find me everywhere. Um, if you just search for FG Squared, except on Twitter, there's a sneaky underscore between the words FG and uh, Squared. And uh, yeah, I'm on YouTube, um, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. And, um, yeah, I've started finally doing uh, regular uh, video game reviews again on my YouTube channel, so you should go check those out. Hell yeah. Uh, Bellinger, where can people find you? Um, well, you can find me as everywhere as well. Um, just Bellinger, basically everywhere. Just Google. <laughs> You'll end up somewhere. Uh, I've been uh, on a Monster Hunter and Eco boat uh, for the uh, last week or so, and I'll probably be on that uh, for next week. Uh. As well, playing lots of eco and lots of monster hunting. And if that floats your boat. And, and uh, but before I shout myself out here, I just want to say, uh, if if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to uh, help us out here, um, getting iTunes reviews is like pulling teeth. But uh, if you have uh, podcast addicts, uh, Overcast, um, iTunes, uh, or Stitcher, or any of the other podcast platforms that allow reviews, please just like I don't know, talk about how much uh, you. L- love uh monster hunter rise or um how what you ate for lunch yesterday uh, just make sure that you click the five stars button that's the important one the review doesn't actually matter so like it doesn't matter what you put into the review section just like make sure you give it the five star rating if that because that, that really helps us out uh of course like you know you could bookmark the website and other things uh there's a lot of ways that you can help us out there but uh just just go follow the podcast and share it around and uh, if you listen to podcasts and this podcast is not available on a podcast platform that you use, uh, DM me at B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L just on Discord or on Twitter, and I'll I'll fix that. Um, and as far as me, you can find me as just B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L on everything. Uh, I don't have Instagram and I don't tweet very often, but like you you could follow me on Twitter if you want. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Also, I, I do like game developer interviews on, on YouTube and people seem to like those. Uh, I think that that is everything for this episode of the halcyon frequency podcast we'll see you next sunday and uh i don't really have like a proper outro thing to say we'll we'll figure that out as time goes on but uh if we could all just say goodbye at the same time and blow out everybody's microphone that would be fantastic so goodbye Bye. 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 Bye.